Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the podcast that weekly chronicalizes Fearless Records Punk Goes Ellipses series. We really need to work on that intro still, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just go. Let's just I'm just going to it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> sure. So Fun story, we are not alone in the, I say studio, we are not alone in the studio today. We have actually been joined by our very first guest of the pod. It's usually us and the cat. Yes. It's us and the cat and a certain someone. Yes. Go and introduce yourself. A certain Richard S. T. Hey! Hey! Um, Award-winning film critic. Yes. Not-so-award-winning music journalist. Musician. Sometimes producer and songwriter in the pop duo L. Yes. Who probably will not have our debut single out by the time this podcast is out, but we'll find out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Do they give awards out for music journalism? No, because no? music journalists don't read each other and hate each other. Yes, so. they, they just <laughs> not spend, me. spend all day subtweeting each other. and Pretty much. We're recording out in the living room today, so that means that the cat oh. is going to be knocking everything over. Yes. This, I, <laughs> I had a driving lesson earlier because I am a dummy who still isn't on my full license. And yeah, all afternoon I've been thinking like, very excited to have you on, Richard, but also very uncomfortable for you to see just how rudimentary our setup is. Like, I just keep getting visions of, like, Lenny, like, please don't tell anyone how I live. Like, well, I'm equally excited to be here. Excellent. It's nice to um, be reunited with you in a kind of creative capacity. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Richard and I have collabed together before. Uh, Richard very kindly extended an offer to me to help co-write a piece on Fallout Boy and chronicling their continued relevance despite all odds, I suppose. Like, yeah. they're definitely a band that it feels like they shouldn't still be relevant, but here we are. And so we sort totally. of teased that idea out. Um, That's probably my least hated piece of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I will link to that in the show notes because I love self-promotion. I also love promoting Richard because he hey. was brilliant. And it's an excellent hey. article. Oh, thank you. Not just because I know the both of you. Wow. <laughs> and the other reasons that you've been here are to watch a Twilight Marathon. Oh, oh yeah. On New Year's Day? Indeed. Yeah. New Year's yeah. Day, that was a fun way to bring in the new year. Mm-hmm. And to watch wrestling. Yes. So, But not today. No. No, unfortunately. It's <laughs> the day before All Elite Wrestling's all out. I knew you'd find a way to shoehorn wrestling into this. Why not? Because I don't watch the wrestling. I'm just moving on. We're moving on. Okay. This is not a wrestling podcast. Hey, see, he's picking up on our lingo. (laughs) He's got the common sayings going. So, I think a good way to kick this off would be to talk about how Richard and I first met, because Richard has been co-opted by my fiancé. Can I just can I just cut in real quickly and should we say what song we're talking about first? Yes, that is a good point. Yeah, we don't want to get 40 minutes in before we actually start. Well, I mean, that's probably how it's going to go, but... Yes. Mm. So today we are talking about the song I Ran and then in parentheses So Far Away by the band A Flock of Seagulls as covered in the Punk Goes universe by the band Hidden in Plain View. So... There we go. 
Richard and I first met. I feel like we both need to tell our version of this because yeah. yours will be very just base level of like, I was playing a gig and then I met this person. <laughs> Whereas mine has like an entire sort of background narrative of like, to do with like romance and like I, my ex-boyfriend was working at the place that you were playing at totally. and like all this. St- I can set the scene. Please do. Right. You're much so- better at story. I'm an unreliable <laughs> narrator. So please We all do. are. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, in 2010, I believe, I was playing in a cover band called Business As Usual. Yes. Was that business spelled B-I-Z-N-E-Z-Z? No, we never had a rap group uh, spin-off. Yeah, a cover band, general kind of rock covers, poppy, a little bit of metal. Yep. Um, We were playing at the former Ed Hardy (laughs) Rockstar Bowling in Melbourne Central, which is now a strike. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it used to be... Ed Hardy themed. Yes. Wow. That was the time. Strangely enough. It was not very cool back then. What did then. it smell like? Um not nothing in particular. No, it just I smelled like a bowling alley with yeah. a bar in it. But yeah, they let us play. It didn't geeks smell like ammonia there. and regret. No, it no. really didn't. <laughs> they let us play gig there and we we were known for being like probably too ambitious for a cover band <laughs> of that size. So we would play like Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah. And stuff like that. We did like Metallica. Like Van Halen, yeah. Jump. But I'm pretty sure the reason we met is because we were playing Fall Out Boys, I Don't Care. Yes, that is right? true. Yeah. We did get good-sized crowds at this place. Yeah. They never got again, but... Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that band kind of broke up uh, soon after. But, yeah. You know. so, <laughs> so I'm so glad, like, every now and then I have that moment where I'm like, am I remembering? Because my memory is awful. So, like... <laughs> Every now and then I'll be telling a story. I'm like, God, I hope this is right. Because I honestly don't know. But so my end of the story was 2010. I had just been broken up with by this guy. And we were doing that weird thing where we were trying to like be friends and like hang out and just be cool around one another. Even though I should have just been like, goodbye forever. Mm. (laughs) And he was working as like a bussy at the Ed Hardy bar. And Mm. so, yeah. And so I was like cool, I'm going to dress up and look really cute and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to go see him and show him how well I'm living and I'm living my best life and I'm fine. I was not fine. But, yeah, I remember walking in, seeing this guy. He was obviously doing his job, but whatever. So we talked and had that awkward, like, oh, hey. like Yeah, and then I remember there was this covers band playing and then they launched into Fall Out Boys, I Don't Care, and I was just like, oh my god <laughs> so I'm pretty sure at the end I made a point of being that really like because it's also like tied in with the time when I was like deeply obsessed with like if I loved a band I loved a band and I'm mm. like so yeah I made a point of like hanging around and being like oh my god I really love your set like Knives Chow sort of was like ah. oh like and then it just sort of went from there and then I think one of us added the other on Facebook and it just mm. blossomed yeah. and if I'm not mistaken was our first time hanging out at a gig no. I'm not sure. I feel like it I'd could very possibly have been Weezer, but I can't figure it out. I feel like I knew you better before then, though. Yeah, I know. But, like... But in the timeline, I think in the ballpark of 2012, there's, like, yes. Weezer twice. Yes. Like, two nights in a row. Yes. At different venues, for some reason. Yes. Um, there's Paramore. <laughs> yes. Probably 2013. There's, yeah, 2013. Um, yep. Fallout Boy yes. when they reunited. Oh. so they did like a small club gig and then they did a bigger one they, after. Yes, that's they right. They put out Save Rock and Roll. Yep. 
Um, and Blink-182. Blink-182, yes. Which is where we met. Yeah. Yes. At Blink-182. Although I feel like I have a longer memory of you before then, too. But, I don't know. No, because I feel like... I feel like, Emma, you were saying you're going to meet my friend Richard. Yes. Yeah, that at, seems likely. At Blink. Because yeah. it was only 2013, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then, the, I guess, like, that's the delightful thing, though, was, like, I want... I will have to trace it back and try and figure mm. it out, because I feel like it was, like, our first, like, IRL hangout was, like, at some sort of show, maybe? Or, yeah. But, like, if not, like, it feels like we knew each other, like, just bang, like, yeah. knew each other from there. Yeah, and 100%. So... Yes, I was saying to Sam this morning over brunch, because I spend my money on things I shouldn't, um, that's... Too much avocado. Yes, that's why I'll never own a house. Um, (laughs) I was saying to Sam that for me, like, Richard, you, I'll address you directly because you're sitting here. (laughs) Um, Like, our musical interests tie in together so well, but it's almost like this thing of, like... I will very much turn to you when, like, a new album or something has come out by, like, Taylor or Fallout totally, Boy or yeah. and be like, what do you think? In a sense of, like, I want to make sure I'm on the same page with this and reading it and, like, there is definitely this sort of, like, deference, just sort of being like, what do you think, Richard? And, because, like, and mutual respect, no Absolutely, doubt. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah, you're definitely my go-to person in terms of, like, this is what I think about it. Is this valid? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was absolutely a pleasure to write with you on our Fallout Boy piece because I definitely yeah. remember like feeling like I was sort of like, oh god, like I that shit person in like the group assignment who wasn't doing things. But then it was so nice that by the end of it, like our working relationship was really good. And yeah. like, also you contributed like heaps. And yeah, so, so yeah. like definitely imposter syndrome on my part. But, <laughs> and also you gifted me the greatest thing only what maybe like oh, yeah. a week or so before my birthday getting to talk oh, to Patrick yeah. from Fallout Boy on the phone so I like booked my little meeting room at work like I am doing a non-specific meeting and I had Sam's Zoom recorder and you were so happy that day oh. yeah. and I think it was just it was just because he was a nice guy he was so he was a delight he's exactly like you'd expect him to be yes yeah. yes it was just perfect but anyway I could talk about that for hours but long story short we finally have Richard on. Yay. What better first guest? I was saying I was going to try and create a narrative where Richard and I were enemies. <laughs> but then I forgot. Oh. <laughs> it was going to be like this lead up to like, what's going to happen when Richard gets on the podcast? Yeah. This is true. You have dragged him a lot on here. I dragged, so I dragged him in one episode. <laughs> in one episode. So it's like, I listened to episode one, right? I was like... Am I going to get a, a shadow or two? That'd be nice. Oh, maybe I did. But then episode two, the Taylor one comes around, and I'm like, I've got to start taking notes. Yes. Because, like, there are so many name drops of me, oh. so many things to respond to. Oh, wow, I didn't even realize. Yeah, do you have anything you'd like to say to um, us just to air any grievances? Well, a, I forgot, because I've been keep, I'm up to date with the podcast, or at least yes. it's release schedule. And B, because you are recording ahead of schedule, Yes, I realized that, like, Every time I respond to a podcast, it'll be to you like a month earlier. Yeah, so, like, that if is you true. even remember, no. I'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah, I'd like to think I would remember, but also I, yeah, my I say a lot of things. <laughs> you do say a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so I reckon the most fitting way to kick off 
a talk about, or a podcast, I should say, about a song such as I Ran, parentheses, so far away, is to talk about Richard's experience in an 80s tribute band, which would have been after business as usual, or concurrently? Um, no, I got into that about a year later. So I um, somehow stumbled into playing keyboards for uh, this band called Stand and Deliver. Yes, yes. Uh, an 80s tribute band that was kind of like a franchise. It's been running for probably 18 years now in yep. Australia. Um, and the manager, who probably will not like me talking about this because he's a weirdly secretive dude, but okay. whatever, it's journalism. Um, and <laughs> also, I I don't really have anything mean to say. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Do tell us to delete stuff so, if we need to. <laughs> he was the frontman of an act called John Justin and the Thunderwings. Wow. In Melbourne in the 80s, who were basically like, imagine T Rex, so like Mark Bolan, yep. but transposed to the 80s with like uh, Fairlight CMI synths and like electronic drums oh and stuff. Gosh. So, very of its time. He played on Countdown like quite a few times. Oh, like what? Molly Meldrum, Glenn Wheatley, who's now been disgraced. But um, yep. yeah, he had like a bit of a career with that. Wow. Bounced around and formed an 80s street band in. I want to say the early, yeah the early two thousands. Yep. So back when it was kind of like the first time you could really cash in on that particular brand of nostalgia. Yeah, I guess that would have been the first because otherwise yep. there wouldn't have been enough separation. Yeah, right. Yep, yep. Yeah, but so this band has had like probably like 50, 60 members over the years. Wow, just rotating various generations, and I was like one of the first members to join who had not been born in the eighties. <laughs> I believe because I was born August nineteen ninety. <laughs> I was conceived during the 80s um, <laughs> yeah. you still got a tie you're fine yeah I was born in the 80s only Aww. 80s kids will remember this but... yeah but I remember my whole 8 months in 1989 <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Taylor Swift I know but, yeah <laughs> yeah so it was a kind of, I, spent, I think I spent like four and a half years in this band as my main profession actually yeah. um, it feels like longer than it was but um I also met the current singer I'm working with yes. through it, Elsa James, and so we kind of like both, uh, I want to say eloped from that with our kind of own crazy pop dream. Yes. Yeah. Which we will be sure to plug before the end of the episode, but I... It won't be out, but... <laughs> do not care. We will plug it You've so people are ready. you got something that's oh. coming out at some point in the future at some... Yes. I don't want to announce it yet. But yes. We'll see. There's something. Question mark. I may phone in with a post script. Ooh, please do. Yeah. Um, all I can say is whenever we go out to karaoke, we went to karaoke just last week, mm. and Richard and Elle were both in attendance, and just that classic thing of like, Richard and I, we will take this thing way too seriously. <laughs> like, we will try and like harmonize with one another on like Taylor Swift's Enchanted, or we'll do like garbage like mashups of like songs that shouldn't belong together but they do but then richard and l put them in a room with a bunch of people who go to karaoke for shits and giggles and they are singing circles around everyone and we're just like <laughs> i am so inferior right now but anyway so shout out to l we love you to bits hey. um but yes so 80s covers band you were the only non-80s baby at the time yeah, now it's like all Oh, of uh, course. younger than me. Yeah. Um, but what it, was it like breaking the stigma around? Um, I don't. It was interesting because I definitely felt like I was the first one yes. of my age at the time. 
But um, it's it's fascinating the way like music works in kind of that Australian like popular yeah. landscape in particular because we play a real variety of everything, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Your pop covers like Madonna and Michael Jackson and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of like Whitney Houston, but also nice. some Oz Rock, like Noise Works. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Not very much John Farnham. Yeah. Um, in excess. Yep. Um, even some like more glam leaning stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Bon Jovi was like a big one that always got requested, and we actually didn't play it that much because I think our manager didn't really like. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I but I always say that when. Like, if I ever leave Australia, they should just rename it, like, Bon Jovi Land. Yeah. Because for some reason, there's, like, an ideal of music to, like, the boomer generation. Yeah. Where um, it's, like, our taste ended in 1991. And yes. we want to keep reliving those glory days. Yeah. And the yeah. whole 80s should be bad thing. Like, it kind of does cash in on that, yeah. that desire. It's funny to me that it's really, like, never gone away it's yeah because we've had similar discussions in prior episodes of this podcast for instance where australia for some reason like we are sticklers for nostalgia in a way that it feels like it's not as pronounced elsewhere or else it just takes on this weird quality of like Hmm. like the fact that like any sort of shitty like ball of some description in the country you'll hear k-san you'll hear the nutbush you'll hear boys light up like all those we like yeah i think there's a more pronounced cutoff in people's tastes yeah i would say yes yeah and look yeah like i can clarify like being from shepparton greater shepparton region like it's yeah a whole different playing field there but i think that um I don't know, I think that the 90s is looked upon pretty fondly by not just... A, like, I think a lot of the world looks back at the 90s like, oh mm. man, yeah. that was the time. Yeah. But that's our generation, like yes. millennials. Yeah. Like, we're probably the oldest to really look at it that way. Whereas the kind of boomers and... Uh, I don't want to say Gen Xs. Like, actually, no, Gen Xs definitely. Yeah, yeah, the 90s, I'd agree. But yeah. um, the boomers and stuff, it's very much taste ended in 1991 with, like, Nevermind. Mm. Yeah. You know? And there's, like, a few... Acts like your Whitney Houston's and stuff, Boys to Men, yep. like Brian Adams, who were big in that era. But mm-hmm. I don't know for some reason, like their engagement with popular music just ended at some point. Yeah, that's kind of natural. But also, I don't know, like how to explain it really. Yeah, it's quite unique. I'm struggling to, like, I definitely want to like bounce ideas off, but I'm struggling <laughs> to put it into words. Like, I'm still very much learning about like the taste profile of of boomers like especially <laughs> in australia i want to say yeah yeah i remember i like dj'd a friend's wedding recently like this year right yeah and um no not a, not a wedding it was the 21st oh, right but i can um, see how you get the two kids. yeah <laughs> no, because it felt like a wedding right oh it was a God. whole mix of um whole mix of like kids younger than me so yeah. like early 20s and their parents. Also, like, a very wholesome 21st. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but gotcha. um, I didn't realize how many parents there would be. So I'm in this thing, like, downloading all the latest songs and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to do a party set. And then I'm like, oh, uh, I have to DJ for both these groups at oh, once. Oh, no. So it kind of turned into, like, a wedding set. Because I was like, oh, what's the parents like? you got to play stuff that's kind of disco-ish. Yeah. And, like, I didn't realize how formative, like, disco was to a lot of yeah 
then. Yep. It wasn't an Oz Rock crowd at all. No. It was very like, they wanted Blondie, they wanted Madonna, stuff like that. So I was just kind of like ping-ponging through. Yeah. Really tough, but interesting. That's... I learned a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, should... I'm sure they loved Iran by a flock of seagulls, <laughs> which I did not play. We should make our wedding feel like a 21st. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Mm, no, I can't. I'm... It's better than a prom theme, I'll say that. Oh, I would love to do like Ashley Simpson, Pete Wentz, like how their uh, was it their engagement party was like prom yeah. themed. Oh, I yeah, I would kill to do, but also no. <laughs> I, Sam is looking very. I can't even think of the word. I have been struggling to just form sentences this week, so apologies if I just am making zero sense. But that's, that's fine. All right. This uh, is just a lead up to your wedding podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, basically, is a wedding podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a wedding podcast with punk songs thrown into it. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be so much punk and scar at our wedding. Well, yeah. not punk, pop punk. My my wedding suit's going to be checkered. Yeah. Hey. Sick. Yep. I'm going to wear flame sunglasses. <laughs> um, Oakleys, like the wraparounds. Yeah. I think I'm just. I think it's just a guy Fieri wearing. Mm. Wearing a guy Fieri wearing. A smash yeah. mouth wedding. A Guy Fieri wedding. Yes. 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 There we go. I He's officiated it. weddings, you know. Oh. Apparently he officiated like a hundred like gay weddings when that law passed. What? Right? Yes. He actually is like a, a, a sick dude. Yeah. 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 Like it was when it was the California fires were happening and he mm. was like, he was there just feeding people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's the best. He was taking them to Flavortown. That's so nice. That. There was that picture of him and Steve Harwell from Smash Mouth, mm. and someone commented that if they kissed, their goatee would be one goatee. Oh. <laughs> their goatee would form because because I think guys got the guys got the one like that, but he's got like the bit dyed, and then Steve Harwell's just got like the bit. He's just got like the, the oh. flavor saver. So it's like it's like yeah, it's like putting them together. God, yeah. it would make one goatee. Love it. <laughs> If I can double back on the tribute band, Stand and Deliver stuff. Indeed. Tell me to fuck off if I'm being like that revolting. Like, so what was it like? But no, I'm like, actually interested because I never really talked about it in good. this Good. Okay, good. Because, yeah, I definitely saw your set a couple of times. One time mm. I dropped in specifically to give you a smash mouth cross stitch, but then I had to leave. That was adorable. But... <laughs> yeah. I still have that. It's a cross stitch of um, somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. One of my finest works. It really um, is. It's very motivating. Oh, wonderful. Um, we need to reframe my one that you did for me. We do. So, another peek behind the curtain. I quite enjoy a good cross stitch when I have the attention span to do one. <laughs> um, so... I guess, well, first of all, I want to talk about the costuming because it was so good. Like, I mm. love that you guys, like, weren't just sort of rocking up in, like, suit. Well, not even a suit, but, like, you were putting your all into it. Like, yeah. That was um, a big kind of marketing point of the 80s tribute yes. thing yep. because um, we would wear, like, wigs and we would wear these very elaborate costumes. Yes. Like, I remember one of my favourite ones was, uh, it was, like, a long... A trench coat but with like a union jack on it or something oh. yeah did you get to keep any of it no uh, i yes. kept some of the 90s stuff that we yep. didn't really use just yeah. because that felt a bit ridiculous because <laughs> it was like we're crisscross or something yeah that yeah. was a bit much but the 80s yeah that was i don't know just because that period has such like a strong visual aesthetic yeah um it you know like that plus 
that music played well and like yes. really committed to does feel kind of transporting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And I guess in terms of like audience engagement, like did you find that there were like well not even regulars, but like Oh, there were. Yeah. Yeah, many many regulars. Yeah. Amazing. That's yeah, probably so like wholesome. Tw- probably like 20 or so that we'd see all the time. Oh. Which was yeah, interesting cuz we would often play multiple gigs on a weekend and they yep. turn up to like each of them, so that is wow. so nice. Yeah. It reminds me a bit, I used to live with a guy who, um, like a boarding house sort of dearly, like he and his wife managed it. And he was super into um, karaoke, I think it was. But mm. like to the point where he and his karaoke mates would catch up and like do karaoke nights. Like not even like yeah. a let's rent a booth and like they would take it very seriously. Like they had their own ah. gear and stuff and like oh. they'd be... So, yeah, just that very wholesome sort of thing of, like, this is my hobby. And so I'm picking that these guys, like, their hobby was, like, step back in time totally. <laughs> for an evening and enjoy. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, mm. I love that. Are you in touch with any of the members? Um, these... Besides Al. Yes. <laughs> I don't... Uh, a few of them. Like, I don't see them around that often. Yeah. But, like, a lot of them are still doing the circuits in their yeah. own form. A lot of them kind of, uh, yeah, formed their own projects outside of and liver like yep. broke off so um there's like a whole oral history of that band to be told oh. one day or something but a manager will hate it so whatever <laughs> look we'll do our homework we'll talk them around we can <laughs> do one of the vh1 behind the music stand and deliver <laughs> yeah ah oh, that is incredible i guess shall we get into it i'm just sort of talking to Phil Air for some I, fucking reason. I have a segue for you, right? Please. So one thing we were going to talk about was the scene in the movie La La Land yes. where Ryan Gosling is in an 80s tribute band. Yes. Right, and so you see him... This is like after he has been fired from a restaurant for playing <laughs> jazz that he's like passionate about. Yes. As opposed to like sentimental piano covers, right? So yep. he lands in an 80s tribute band, not quite like ours. They were more like... Um, you know, like skinny jeans and like colorful t-shirts type. They sort of felt like they were trying to be a bit more ironic about it. Like, totally. The, yeah. the scene was ironic. Yes. In the yes. film. But yeah, so he's playing keyboards mm-hmm. at a pool party. He's playing like Take On Me by AHA. Yes. And he plays I Ran by A Flock of Seagulls. Yep. While himself looking like very not pleased to be there. <laughs> right. And so yeah. like Emma Stone rocks up at the party and she's like, oh, you... You're a sellout now. You've like joined an '80s tribute band. Yeah. And so when I watched that film, <laughs> which was uh, end of 2016, yes. So I was already like a year removed from when I quit. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. So I watched La La Land like very early on. Nobody had warned me about the scene. <laughs> Nobody from the '80s tribute band has mentioned it to me since. Yeah. So I don't know if they feel the same way, or they just don't watch <laughs> movies, or whatever. But this scene comes up, and I'm like. Holy crap, my jaw, like, hit the floor. I'm, like, oh, no. so personally attacked by this. Um, because it wasn't... It wasn't the exact same feeling I had being in it, but yes. it did definitely echoed the reasons why I quit. Because I felt like I needed to kind of separate myself from almost wanting to please other people's sense of nostalgia in order yeah. to yep. carve my own path. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a very confronting experience. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to. And a funny scene too. Yeah. I want to cut in and say you yeah. 
you put on movie nights where you like to subject the viewers to some pretty um indeed i guess interesting <laughs> subject matter it, yes. you know, stuff that sort of makes the viewer feel uncomfortable go on and so you're i, I you're would hope fo- that i would hope that it's an opt in situation like we try to give content warnings as long as you you, you do know. now you didn't to begin with <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But so... Some of them are you're, spoilers. You're fine with... It was hard, but yeah. You're fine with watching really, like... Really... What's the word that I'm looking for? Just like really intense... <laughs> intense stuff. But then when someone makes fun of a 80s tribute band... Oh, they deserve that's... to be... They deserve to be made fun of. That's the thing. <laughs> that's why it's attacking because I it wasn't like I was defending my honour or anything I was like oh yeah that, that's how people see it and not just it. me looking in my reflection I love that we invite Richard into our home and he's doing a very kind favour to us by being <laughs> on our podcast and you were just like fucking going for the jugular right to, now. to quote Fallout Boy from now on we are enemies <laughs> Oh man! Who's the heel on the face in this situation? You're definitely on... the heel in this situation. <laughs> true. It, it depends on your perspective. The yes. heels talk more, so. Well, yes, that is true. We're just cutting promos on each other. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not trying to personally attack you. I just thought that you know that that's. I, I thought that that was the thing that like you could watch anything that's anything horrific and scary, but mm. but like Emma Stone making fun of tribute bands. I thought that there, yeah, I don't know. it was it, it was valid. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> full, full disclosure: I did not like La La Land because I just oh. did not care about the characters. Similar to, I remember we caught up after I had seen A Star Is Born, and you were like, yeah. "Oh my god, how good is it?" I was like, "I actually really didn't like it." And oh. again, I think there's just this disconnect for me in terms of like, I don't know, those kinds of stories like they're valid and they're good, but also I just don't care about the I people. Know that. So yeah, like La La Land, I was just like, I couldn't give a shit what these two people do. (laughs) But I do remember that scene as being a highlight because it's just so, like any sort of young artist, like trying to establish themselves, of course you're going to go into that to do regular work and like have an income and everything and also explore your creative side to a point. But then you would get to a point where you're just kind of like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I mean, it depends on what your calling is because to be able to make money and a living off music yeah. in any sense is pretty great. So yeah, awesome if that's what you want. But if it's not, then, you know, yeah, there are other ways to approach it. Yes. Mm, yeah. Know that you'll find your way in time. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember cause I was just putting notes together for this episode and I rewatched it and I hadn't made that connection between you and yeah. Ryan Gosling's character. Then I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> like, and then, yeah, I jumped into our notes later on and you had added in like, oh, and also I felt very seen. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I have an idea for a scene in a film. Yes. And I've not written a screenplay around this, but it's like, imagine someone in the 80s tribute band has like just gone through like a devastating breakup oh, or something, no. right? And so, this did not happen to me, by the way. Okay. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. And it's like, they've been, they get dragged on stage. They're like trying to cancel the gig, but it's like, oh no, there are no like uh, fill-in singers because they're all busy. So you got to do the gig yourself. <laughs> and also like they're losing their voice or whatever. And so they walk on stage and they have to, they have to sing Walking on Sunshine <laughs> like, between other waves while fighting tears. Aww. So, yeah. 
I think the I love it. The closest comparison that gets me every time is um knocked up. <laughs> Paul Rudd's character has just been like ripped to shreds for being like a shit person or something. It's his daughter's birthday. And it's his daughter's birthday and he like has to get a cake and he's ready to walk it out and be like and so like this Seth, I can't even remember. It's just, it's Seth, Rogen, Seth Rogen just has this monologue where he's just ripping into Paul Paul Rudd, just calling him this piece of shit. Basically. And he sort of like blinks at him, and then like the next scene, he's just sort of like walking out, like happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it gets to like happy, and then it cuts off. And, yeah, every time you that's just, juxtaposition. Just just, so I would be a hundred percent on board to see something like that. Like, yeah, if they ever make Maya Star is born, that'll be in there. Uh, even though it didn't happen to me, but you know. Look, that a uh, bit of creative. Um, what's the word? Lever- not leverage. Leeway. It's yeah. got it. Yeah. Ah, oh, amazing. So, flock of seagulls. This is yeah. This is a song that we played in the eighties root band yeah. that I quite enjoyed actually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. What about it? Did you enjoy? Mm, I think it was just quite. I think it's quite a well written song. It has yeah. a kind of attitude, especially to the vocals. A yeah. Lot of backing vocals, synth textures are really fun. Yeah. There was like a kind of drum feel thing and a guitar solo. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. I am going to share my own anecdote. Excellent. And, and share where I first heard this song, which was from the radio station Wave 10.3 from the video game Grand Theft Auto Vice <laughs> City. And I just, that game was really important to me because the radio stations on that, it was particularly Wave and K Rock. I think it was K Rock. V mm. Rock. Yeah. Because their logo was the Vulture. They were basically the two, they were the only ones that I listened to, the two stations, and they sort of really informed. Like a lot of pop that I would listen to, and, and a lot of the '80s metal that I would listen to. Like I first, totally. heard, I first heard Slayer, oh, Anthrax, yeah. Megadeth. Well, I knew Megadeth, but that was the first time I'd heard Megadeth. On was from Vice City, and it was the same thing. Like there, that's got an incredible soundtrack. It really does. Yeah. And I borrowed Vice City from a kid at school. <laughs> I also did. Yeah. Did yeah. your Did your mother tell you that you weren't allowed to play it? No, because my mother did. She oh was very, gosh. very vehemently against me playing Vice City. But I borrowed it on a night that I knew that she was going to be out <laughs> for most of the night. So it was me and my dad, and he was also he was he was sort of like if he knew I had it, he would have said no, mm. don't play it. But I. I took the PlayStation down to the other end of the house. You sly dog. And I played it for, yeah, a lot of hours. And I left it sitting on the table down at the other end of the house because mum and dad would sleep at the other end of the house. Mm -hmm. And so I got up the next morning and they slept with the door open and my room was next to theirs. So I got up the next morning and early to play it. And so at some point... She'd mom, my mother had come home and had gone down the other end of the house to get something 
and it's seen this copy of Grand Theft Auto Vice City sitting on the table next to the PlayStation. Oh, no. So I get up early to start playing, and about 10 minutes later, she comes down in her nightgown. <laughs> in her, <laughs> not nightgown, in her... Just dressing like, gown. Dressing gown. And she's like, so I see you're playing Grand Theft Auto. I'm not happy about this. And I'm, and I'm trying to tell her, I'm saying, Mum, it's just... It's everything that you've heard is is lies. It's it's unfounded. It's <laughs> it's it's a smear campaign against the game. Look, watch me play, and I'm and I'll show you. There is nothing violent about it. So for the next twenty minutes, oh my god, I'm driving around <laughs> as carefully as possible, not hitting anyone, not <laughs> so difficult, not getting out, being driving as you should drive on the road. Yes, and she's sitting there in silence. Just watching me, oh scrutinizing over this, just waiting for me to slip up. And eventually she's like, So it's just a driving game? I'm like, yeah. So, like, you can get. At some point, there's missions, and, like, <laughs> they swear a little bit in the missions, I guess, but it's, it's fine. Oh my god. She's like, I'm not happy that you went behind my back, but I guess it's I guess it's all right. So she left, and I think probably ten seconds later, I got out with it, got out of the car with it, and killed someone with a chainsaw. <laughs> so look, I was fifteen at the time, fourteen, fifteen. I was almost of the of the legal age to be playing it. I turned out okay, hmm. not great, but I turned out okay, and. Yeah, look, I lied. Sorry, Mum. It is it is a very violent game with, you know, sexual themes and lots of swearing and drug use. It is a very... It is, it is all those things that you heard. You heard correctly. Mm. I'm sorry that I duped you. I'm not actually going to admit this to you, so you have to listen to it to find out. If you do find out about it, Mal, I will have a word with him later. I have not heard that story until now, and I am shocked and appalled. That is very funny. But then by the time San Andreas came out, there yeah. was not... I guess because she'd seen that I'd done the thing with Vice City, there wasn't really a problem with with me playing San Andreas. I think I was also like 16. I used to just... Because I was a very poor slash sore loser playing video games as a kid. So if I was playing a racing game and I was very obviously losing... I would just crack the shits and I'd either turn around and drive the other way or I would follow the rules. Like, so if there was a stop sign, I would stop. And then, like, I'd stay in my lane and I'd just drive at, like, a reasonable speed. And the other person would just be like, hurry the fuck up, I want to finish this. I'd be like, no, like, I'm observing the rules. So Yeah, there were definitely racing games where the race wouldn't finish until everyone had crossed yeah, the line. Yeah, I used to, like, milk that and be like, well, fuck you, you should have let me win. Um, I didn't know this, see, because you've, lo- you've sort of not lauded it over me, but, you know... When the topic of monopoly comes up, you bring up <laughs> you like to you like to make fun of yes. the fact that you know our one time playing monopoly. I was not happy that you kept getting all the double rolls. Uh, yes, I do remember that. That was a very funny moment for me. Not so much for you, but there's, I, <laughs> oh no, I look back at it now and, I'm, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, because video games, we only ever had a Super Nintendo console. Like we never had another one. So, like, I mastered the games, the few games that we had for that. So, like, Bubsy. I shouldn't be good at Bubsy, but I am. I made that. That's a meme. I've, <laughs> I've made that comment, though, haven't I? That, you have. That's like, you're, you're a savant at Bubsy. Yes. But I need to say that. You shouldn't Yeah. Be. We'll yeah. have a Bubsy sesh at oh, some Lord. point. Should we live stream Bubsy 3D? Oh, yeah. We're going to be on Twitch. That would be very yeah. painful. Yeah. yeah. I can get it running. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And then we'll do a commentary on the Bubsy cartoon. I've watched it. Yeah. It's bad. I've watched yeah. that one episode that you showed me and it was... I'm so sorry. <laughs> so... What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Does he say it like three times within the first Probably. minute or something? He yeah. says it all it's like, I think. It's like picture all those hyper-aggressive like Cartoon Network cartoons from the 90s. Yeah. Right? Most, I mean, some of which are good. Yes. They had the style, but the Bubsy one is like that cranked up to 11. Yeah. And also not funny... Yes. He was always just an annoying character, though. Yeah. I found him charming. But anyway. He's the Sonic to Sonic. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's the Sonic of Sonic. But I don't know. Like, you had a Super Nintendo. But I think that's it. It's like, so I mastered these games, so I was, like, decidedly quite good at them compared to other people because that's all I had. Hmm. Not that I was deprived or anything, but, like, rightfully so, my parents were like, I'm not getting her into video games, so I would have never done anything productive. But, um... We still have that Super Nintendo as well. We do. Yeah. But, yeah, so then, like, I'd go to my friend's house and her little brother had an Xbox and so we'd play games and, like, obviously I would be, like, shit at them and so then I'd get quite sore about it. So so I love that, like, my passive-aggressive method of driving was what you showed your mother yeah. to be like, <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, of course I can play this. And, like, like, the radio would have been playing, so she would have been listening to Blondie. She would have been mm. listening to A Flock of Seagulls. Um... I can't remember. Uh, ABC, Poison Arrow, Kids in America. Yeah, oh. very soothing sounds to a certain generation. Oh, yeah. And that, I think that's yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of what my mum was into was you know eighties pop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bit of new wave. I think yeah. so. In amongst all the she credence lo- and the joke, she loved. I don't know if she still does, but I remember her blasting Eurythmics when I was younger. Oh yeah, blasting Eurythmics. Cool. That's so good. Your parents yeah. have the best taste in music. They really so don't. Happy. But that's right. <laughs> Richard, what is your first experience with this song? Do you remember? I, I don't have a clue. I definitely knew yeah. it before joining yep. Stand and Deliver, but no, I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember when I actually heard it, but I remember watching Austin Powers. I think it was The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah. When Elizabeth. Uh, Felicity Shagwell. Felicity, um, when she Heather Graham, not yes, yeah, it would be her. Yes, and so she wants to come into the future. I think it was, but she'd end up skipping the sixties and the seventies. No, seventies and eighties. There was oh, what was it? I can't remember, but she goes. They go in. They go into the. They go into the present. And she's basically our present. Yeah, and she yeah. essentially has like a little freak out. She's going to miss like however many decades. And Austin's like, look, like it's fine, like. What like don't even need to worry about being there. And he says there's a gas shortage in a flock of seagulls. That's about <laughs> it. But at the time I didn't I didn't realise that was a band. And then on top of that I thought like it was just some news item about like a flock of seagulls had like taken it like so in my mind I just had like a literal flock of seagulls. I was like, Oh, that must have been like a weird sort of key event and then I just forgot about it and then somehow this song just became embedded in my memories somewhere. See, for me, uh, the, probably the first time I heard was um, was in The Wedding Singer, the movie, mm-hmm. and there's a bit where he's getting a plane ticket, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler's character, and the guy, because it's set in the 80s, and the guy ringing up the plane ticket for him has got the hairdo, and, oh, and yeah. just offhandedly, he's like, hey, do you like a flock of seagulls? And Adam Sandler's grabbed the ticket and he's about to run off. He's like, no, but I can see you do. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what's that? And I think I was watching it with my brother and he's like, they were a band. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Little yeah. did he know they're still a band. Mm. They are. 
So, a flock of seagulls, they formed in 1979 in Liverpool, England. Liverpool. Um, they were spearheaded, essentially, by the lead vocalist and keyboard slash synth player Mike Score. And hairstylist. Yeah, mm. yeah, former hairdresser, which tickles me to no end. <laughs> I, I love that he was just like, you know what, like, uh, anyway, more on that later. Um, and according to Mike, their band name came from the Stranglers song Toiler on the Sea and the Richard Bach, Batch, Bach, I don't know. I think Bach. I think Bach, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Richard Bach novel Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which I need to read up more on that because that just sounds like... It's something, it is in the perspective of the seagull, I'm pretty sure. Really? I, I looked. What? I looked into wow. it, I'm pretty sure it is something to do with like... Yeah, it's in the perspective of a seagull. I'm pretty sure. This I isn't like wrong. a deadpan joke. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do realise that I do that a bit. I, I'm, I'm also quite dumb, so you need to like... <laughs> no, but I do realise that sometimes I make it sound like, you know, it actually is when, it, when it's not. I'm, I looked into it very briefly the other day, and I'm pretty sure you get it from the perspective of a seagull. But I could be wrong. See, to me, it just... I think of, like, the titular like it being the titular character like a seagull called jonathan livingston seagull but like which is delightful but also it doesn't make any sense but anyway so yeah um fuck i don't know where i'm going with fun fact the seagulls in europe i'm not sure about the uk but in europe they're like the same as the seagulls in australia but like twice the size oh yeah it's not actually the same breed yeah because like yeah they're just Bigger, which is real weird, because they're the size of, like, chickens. That's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's terrifying. Yeah. You ever see that video of the giant chicken that steps out of the chicken hutch? It's I like, think I linked you to that. <laughs> it's, like, that big. I somehow got added to... Yeah, it's like a foghorn leghorn. Oh, I'm not even yeah. I think I got added yeah. to... It's so, it's so freaky. I got added to a Facebook group that was, like, <laughs> a Romanian giant chicken group. And I can't find it, because I don't know the name. And I can't type the characters. <laughs> But it haunts me. That's oh. that's it's so you've probably seen it. I I do remember. It's it. like it's got long legs. It's huge, long it's, feathery legs. It's yeah. just it's when something shouldn't be and it is. <laughs> it's just it's it's not right. It's just it's it's so, an aberration. It really oh. is. That just makes me. I think yeah. The reason I get so viscerally upset by unusually large bird is. <laughs> <laughs> when we were kids, we had like a chicken coop out the back because I lived on a farm, and like mum loved having chooks around the house, so we would have chickens and we would collect their eggs, and they were our pets and whatever, like very wholesome, like country farm life. But one time we got <laughs> given a little, like, I forget what you would call them, like a flock or like just a little group of like chicks, like baby chickens. They were gifted to us by a friend of ours and so my job around the house was to feed the chooks each day Mm. and so these chicks very cute like they grew up to like i don't know sort of mid-size but then they just sort of kept growing at like an exponential rate and it's because it turns out they'd been bred for meat right so so yeah like they were bred to grow fast and then die young and so then there was like a patch of like a couple of weeks if i again i'm not but like yeah, a patch of a couple of weeks where I would go out there. And, like, the first time it happened, I was like, what the fuck? And then it just got to a point where, like, I'd go out, open the door to the chicken coop. And then it'd just be, like, this, like, grotesquely, like, 
bulky, like, essentially, like, teenage chick, like, dead. And I'd have to sort of, like, go back inside and be like, Dad, like, another one's died. <laughs> then you have to, like, go in and, like, clean it out. And it was just the most upsetting. Aww. And then we didn't get chooks after that because we were just like, what the fuck is going on? But how delicious were they? We didn't eat them. <laughs> no, that's the thing, because, yeah. It was just, it was so upsetting because we loved having chooks. But then, yeah, there was just, like, this weird sort of, like, spate of... Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, yes. anyway, anyway. Um, I, I don't know. No, no, I've got it here. Oh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, written by Richard Bark and illustrated by Russell Munson, is a fable in novella novella form about a seagull who is trying to learn about life and flight, and a homily about self perfection. Oh, well, there you go. I haven't heard the word homily in a long time. I know. No. I think of church <laughs> when I hear that. So anyway, the the point I wanted to make was that in more ways than one, a flock of seagulls would be bigger in the UK than in Australia <laughs> or the US. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Chart facts, you got them, and we do. And in another, but in another um, little bit of thing, apparently a flock of seagulls is actually called a colony. In Flames, 1999. Great album. Ah, that is a good album. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? A Flock Col- of Seagulls is actually called A Colony. <laughs> Fiona- <laughs> <laughs> like, Fiona Apple level, just like, oh, yeah. actually, like, anyway. Yeah. By In Flames. So wait, what's the album actually called? Colony. In- Colony, Col- gotcha. Colony. Yeah. Is that the one with Pinball Matt? No, that's one after, Clayman. Clay- Clayman, that's probably one of my favourite In yeah. Flames albums. <clears throat> Were you handing this off to me so I could read the chart stuff? I was. I was hoping to do it subtly, but that's uh, cool. And, and I need to do this. I need to practice my uh, natural voice. Yes. I am weaning Sam off writing long-form notes. He needs to learn how to... He needs to do, like, a Toastmasters course or something. Just, I'd love to do that, actually. I hate the idea of it just people catching up to talk. What about it's a Roastmasters so- course? <laughs> <laughs> it seems so like artificial an environment, which yeah. I get. I guess is the point, but still. I yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I ever met someone who like did Toastmasters as like a proper thing, I'd be like, "You are creepy." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yes. Released in 1982. Yes. Mm. From the album "A Flock of Seagulls," their debut album. Mm-hmm. Phil Spector. Famed record producer slash convicted murderer. Yeah. Once referred to it as phenomenal. Make I can, that what you will. Yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Like, what did he what did he produce? Like um, what's a couplet? A, a ton of things. So he was like huge, the Ronettes. Yeah, yeah. Um he did the Crystals, Darling Love. He did a Christmas gift for you, which is widely considered to be the greatest Christmas album of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He's my um my Beyond problematic, fave. Yeah, <laughs> there's no real grey area. Yeah. You can't sort of be I, like, whoa. Yeah, but I'm um, very influential. And like the whole Beach Boys pet sounds thing is yes. kind of ah. He also produced Let It Be for the Beatles, which oh, is controversial because a lot of people don't like the production on that record. Oh, ah. yeah. well, they ended up redoing it. Oh, shit. I thought you were going to say they ended up going missing. Ah. <laughs> The people who didn't like it. There's a there's a mockumentary called Paul is really dead or something. Oh my that's God. like it's a fake mockumentary yeah. presenting how Paul McCartney died in like 1967. Oh yeah, but it's also a parody of that. But at the same time, yeah. it's real weird. Wow. Yeah. Love it. 
I don't know if they've ever, if he's ever, has he ever addressed the rumor that he's dead? He definitely has. Yeah, yeah. Has Avril Lavigne addressed the rumor that she's dead? I don't know, but Andrew WK has addressed the rumor that he's dead. What? Yeah, he's not. I've dead. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. So if a flock of seagulls in Europe is bigger, or was it the other way around? Would they'd be bigger in they the would Europe. Be bigger in Europe. So I assume un- the UK. Unfortunately, the opposite was true in terms yeah. of performance. Well, they, was it? They yes. did. They oh, did. Wrong. They did well here. They reached number one. Number one, uh, and then number fifteen by the year end on the year end charts. Number seven in your home turf. Yep. NZ. Motherland, New Zealand. Yes. Number twenty six in Canada. Number nine on the US Billboard Hot One Hundred. Again, number 67 on the year-end charts. And number 43 in the UK. That's shocking to me. Yeah. They sound very British. They do. To me. But it's also, like, Britain seems to be, England seems to be one of those places that when a popular, new popular British act comes along, they, like, flock to it. Not to to use that as a pun. (laughs) Yeah, they 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 colony to it. Yeah, they take to it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of like Top of the Pops and things like yeah. that. I don't know if they did. Well, I didn't see any videos come up, so no. I'm assuming not. No, so apparently, yeah, they were much bigger in America. I think it's just That's a it. generally accepted thing that they, yeah, they took off in America because they didn't really get much love in. And then they moved, they did move to yeah. America. Right. Yeah. I think he lives in Florida now. <laughs> right. Florida man. <laughs> well, the oh. seagulls like there. Yeah, oh god, Florida girls. They're, they're all they're all coloured Confederate flag. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry to any Floridian listeners. Yeah, yeah no, I shouldn't say that. Oh man. Unless they do have Confederate flags, in which you know, I'm not sorry. No. Isn't, it, isn't it a pretty pretty southern state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the state that they love to make fun of as well over there. Yeah. Sorry to all the uh, professional wrestlers who listen to our podcast. Oh yeah, they all live over. They all live in Florida. They have no state income tax. <laughs> Is, Is that, that why? No, apparently that's true. They don't have any state. Like, so, yeah, I think that's just they don't pay taxes. It's a sacrifice you have to make that to is. live yeah. there. Cena lives there. Yeah. Yeah. Who? John, John Cena. Cena. Oh, I thought you said Cena. I was like, yes. I but... think The Rock lives there. Batista lives there. Yeah, I don't know if The Rock lives anywhere. I feel like he's... Yeah, no, he's just, he's just constantly in the truck. Yeah. And the gym. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he, he just recently got married, so I'm upset about that. Aww. No, Why? not really. He's happy, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, uh, it ranked number fifty-five on VH1's One Hundred Greatest Songs of the Eighties countdown, as we mm, should, rightfully so. We didn't see. Did we see what was number one on that chart? No, no. and I was dumb Do enough to guess. To... Uh, top of the top of the eighties, 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 eighties. VH1. What would VH1 like? I want to say when Doves Cry. I want to say um fucking Thriller. Ooh, hang on. Who's going to look this up? 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s. Yes, hang on. Let me do a Google. You guys cast your bets while I'm It was also... Oh, this is at number two on VH1's Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s countdown. They did have a couple of songs. There's one called Space Age Love Song. Yeah, Space Age Love Songs. That's really good. That's tight. Yeah, Yeah, it's very, like, early U2. Yeah. 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 They had another one, and it was like, started off in brackets. Yeah. Parenthesis. I can't remember what that's called, though. Neither. That was pretty cool, though. They had, like, they had some pretty cool... Fi- we'll get onto the film clip. No, well, I'll wait I'll wait till we get onto the film clip, yeah. actually, right. to talk about. So I have number one. 
Well, I, all right, let's do number five through to number one. Do it. Okay. So the complete list. So number five, You Were Close, Richard, When Doves Cry by mm. Prince. Number four, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Mm. Okay. Number three, Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. Interesting. Yep. That's high. Because like, Duran Duran to me are like a more ambitious flock of seagulls yes. in a lot of ways. Yes. Just bigger in every way, you know? Exactly. Number two, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Interesting. That's very VH1. Yeah, yeah. fair. I like I, that song. Yeah. Number one, our good mate Bon Jovi, living in on a prayer. VH1. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shit. I was about to say, well, there you go. But yeah. Um, We're all jinxed. The rest yeah. of this podcast is going to be done in silence. Because, yeah, I was going to um, guess, what is it? The Rick Roll song, Never Gonna Give You Up. I don't know. Well, that and like, become a meme until. That's. Until last decade and that's the thing like I wasn't even joking though and I've come uh, to the realisation over the last couple of days that, well it all started like last Friday at karaoke oh when, when we did it no like when you referred to me as a musical terrorist I've been referred to as a musical terrorist so, so I'm just I was, passing it on yeah I, I take it as a very deep compliment because essentially before, it's the it follows curse <laughs> It kind of is, music, yeah. You're now the musical terrorist. As soon as, yeah, as soon as you start, like, slowing music down and shifting the pitch, like, as down uh, yeah. as it'll go, like, yeah. you are a musical terrorist, so yes, I'm probably on a list now. But, um, <laughs> but then, like, I was sharing, like, this decidedly shit vocal cover of one of Taylor Swift's new songs mm. with a couple of people, like, you included, Richard. Yeah. And then I sort of paused and I was like, I think I need to clarify that this is meant to be a shit post. Because <laughs> I'm fine, like, I've crossed that barrier where, like, I think people genuinely think that I'm into, like, awful music. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm sort of having to, like, reassess my life choices up until this point. Because I was just like, what's happened? But well, anyway. It's like when I discovered that playlist of the horrible American Idol Game Boy Advance yes. covers of songs last week. Yes. And I took that playlist of 40 song and listen to them like all in a row yeah just in a circle just like cackling <laughs> because some context right so there was a really crappy american idol game for the game boy advance yeah. where if you press the button prompt wrong the character would sing their song out of time yeah and so it's like 20 songs all one minute for some reason <laughs> and like there's a male and a female vocal yes. version of each but all of them bad even oh. if you do well but yeah. the um if you screw up, you end up with every song sounding like this. Yeah. <laughs> I will survive. Because you tagged me in it when when Richard sent it to you because we've so we've seen it for a couple of years. We have, and, yeah. and so like I responded because it's waiting for tonight. Yeah. And it's like it was just like the first time like like a movie scene, but I've done it like capital L, yeah. lowercase i, capital yeah. K. That's kind of what it's, it's, it's like. Movie it's sort of like that. It's the SpongeBob <laughs> meme in real life. It really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that has become an infinite source of renewable energy for me, just because there's 40 of them, so I can just, like, continue to listen to them at any given point. If I feel down at all, I'll just think of, like, American Idol on YouTube. Can you do something? Could you do something with some of that stuff? Like, could you put that into something? I think so, because what I think they did was, like, they got the normal vocals, which, again, weren't very good in the first place. Yeah. But... They would have had like some kind of tremolo effect or something yeah. that affects the pitch. So you could do it because the appeal of it is that it's not humanly possible to do. Yes. Just the inflection on every note is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you moving this thing? 
I can't remember what got me onto that, but yeah, that's... Uh, musical terrorism. Yes, but that, yeah. So yes, when I said I expected Rick Astley to be number one, like I was not joking. But, oh, true. <laughs> but this is just who I am now, so I've chosen to embrace that. This yeah. is fine. Do you want to take a guess at what the song is about lyrically? Running cardio. Ah, it's probably it. Probably is a good song to run to. Yeah, well, I think the BPM. I think I read it's yeah. like one forty-five or something like that. Yeah, you, you've you've got a you've got a you're pretty close. It's about running. It's a little yeah. bit about love, but it's mostly about aliens. Yeah. Yep. Falling in love during an alien invasion. Who would have thought? One forty-five beats per minute. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That would get your heart racing. But yes, I do love that. Like, it's a standard like pop song of like. I've never met a girl like you, but like, but then if, like they just sort of shoot him, shoot in, but like, and also aliens, like, yeah. <laughs> so good. But Richard, Is... you had like a, a slightly different read on it though that we were chatting about beforehand. Yeah, I, I had never really looked at the lyrics until now, even yeah. though I've heard the song many a time. But I was like, is this just a song about a guy meeting a woman and then being like insanely romantic and sexually anxious and just like running from her yeah yeah but the aliens are there yes in a way so uh. i guess it could it's sort of like the proto et by Katy perry maybe like oh i see that yeah yeah sort of like you are so ethereal to me like i've never met someone like you you're so unique like out of this world like and then extrapolate that to and aliens but yeah either way i do like that that was their thing that they decided because it could have just been like a yeah never met someone like you but instead it's just like but then aurora borealis comes into play yeah, and, true. But, or is it a metaphor or not you know? yeah yeah um, apparently no he was just really into aliens apparently cool sick. i looked into he's he yeah he was very inspired by he loved doctor who as a kid oh that, true that's what i wanted to talk about so yeah, time to long Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking over the bookshelf. I saw Secret Machine, so I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we have a copy of Tom DeLonge's alien book, Secret Machine, cool. on our shelf. Sam got it for me for Christmas. I'm sure oh. I'm on. you're on some, like, government list now, like the US government. I got it as, yeah, I thought it was funny. I haven't read it yet. I am no, intrigued, have I. though. I think it's fictional. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's sort of... Pseudo-fictional. Yeah, but... Because I remember we were watching just all manner of things to do with this song last night. And one of the things was their other single that was really... Was it Space Age Love Song? I think it is. Yeah. Yes. And I immediately was like, this sounds like Angels and Airwaves to me. Totally. Yeah. Which like, so I would just, oh man, we should... It really wouldn't surprise me if it, if it influenced. Yeah. Mm. I love it. I We absolutely have to get Tom on the pod somehow. Mm. And just ask him like, Flock of Seagulls. What do you think? I was going to say, we should pretend that we've seen aliens, but we shouldn't. <laughs> we, I'm telling you right I now, wish. I'm telling you right now, we have not seen any aliens. No aliens have come into our periphery. We do not know if they exist or not. So don't come knocking on our doors. We'll just start doing that thing of like tweeting out, like someone needs to get in touch with us. We have like very important information to share with you. But, or yeah, just find ourselves on some fucking WikiLeaks server. Do you think he answers all those calls? I don't know. He's very good at, like, on Instagram, without fail, every time he posts, someone will be like, hey, Tom, tell me a joke, and he will. Hmm. So, like, he is is watching. Like, he is looking at his social... His Instagram. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
But like, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if Big Brother was Tom DeLonge? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, Tom. Have we talked about what our what we feel about the song? No. I feel like we should talk about that before we run into the facts and... A little more of the sure. facts and right. its influence on pop culture and that sort of ting. Kick it off. I think it's dope. Yeah. I, I, it, though, I will give it a caveat because I listened to it a lot this week. Yeah. It was starting to bore me a bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, at the start of the week, I was real into it. But yeah, it was it was because it, it kind of doesn't really go any further than where it starts. Yeah, mm. yeah. and where it starts is cool. Where it starts is really yes. cool. Yeah, but sometimes I was just I don't know I was kind of feeling like a bit of a rise or something. Yeah, and it didn't give me that. That, that was my experience with the album actually because I went and listened to the whole debut album. Yeah, self titled 1982, mm-hmm. and I was like. This is really interesting. People really liked it at the time because it was yeah. very, like, overtly futuristic. But it kind of didn't suggest a direction yeah. for them because a lot of the songs do sound like Iran. Yes. Except the Space Age Love song, which is, you know, a Insane. bit different. I yeah. love it. Yeah. But to me, it's like, that album is very much, like, it's kind of just fun pop music rather than being, like, any kind of grand statement. Yeah. You know? It's very of its time. It hasn't aged well, which is not... A phrase that I use often. Yes. But in this case, I think it's true because it gets you thinking about other bands of the era like In Excess and Duran Duran or even like the post-punk stuff that really took it further in the other direction. Yep. You know? Also, my other observation was that in 1982, for some reason, they weren't recording to a click track because in the first 30 seconds of every song, the drummer speeds up, which is real weird. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Would you say that listening to that makes you wish you were listening to the other bands that you mentioned? Um, n- no, because I'm glad I listened to that first album. Mm. But it yeah, it does make me want to go on and explore those other bands. Yeah, further, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think I had a similar reaction to you, Sam, in the sense of like. Listening yeah, we ca- to we it, came to it pretty quickly. Yeah, I was sort of like, "This mm. is sick." And then the more I listened, and then the more versions we listened to, I was just like, this is starting to grate on me now. I can't take this. But then I sort of circled back around. Like, yeah, so I was like, love it. Not so much. Hate it. Oh, actually, it's not so bad. And then by the end, I was like, yep, love it again. Like, yeah, yeah, it's... What what also helped was the demo that they released last year that is all just Iran oh. with different versions. <laughs> and so it's the, good. the orchestral one is sick. It, it is, is so yeah. good. Oh, yeah. But it's like, if this is your most famous song, it's a pretty cool, like, oh, yeah. have. Yeah. You know? It's a very sort of, like, old faithful sort of, like... Yeah. It's sort of fail-safe. Like, it... Good song. Like, hasn't aged well, but also, like, it's still interesting... If not a bit, not bland, but like just very sort of contained. Like, yeah. yeah. It's very cyclical and like it's. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, I do like it in that sense. It, like, I've had a similar thought experiment with um, Paul Simon. Shit. Yeah, Paul Simon, I think. Um, you call, can call me, me out. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where like, I would love to just for a day just listen to that on repeat because it has a similar cyclicality where it just yes. like. 
I'd love to just see what that did to my brain. Like, I could picture myself sitting and listening to this on repeat for a day and just taking notes because it's just so interesting. I feel like yeah. you could get something interesting out of it or you could also just, like, lose your mind. And I kind of love it. Yeah, either. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this song almost has that kind of crowd rock feel of bands yeah. like Can and stuff where it's just that, like, motoric... Uh, drum beat yes. for the whole way through. Yep. It does vary. Like They have that drum solo, but it's yeah. very yeah. kind of impulsive the whole time. Which yeah. is why you notice the drummer going in at a time. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's meant to sound kind of drum machine-like. It almost yeah. is, but it's just on the cusp of that period before they were really doing it. Yes. Yep. In pop, at least. So I do yeah. remember reading somewhere that their guitarist at the time, had joined the band after they'd written the song. So then they, like, wrote in those little, like, da 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 like, specifically for him, which is very cute. (laughs) It's really important. Yeah. And, like, it's such a key part of the song, but I can't picture it without. Yeah. Yeah, because he feels really important to... Like, he feels really important to the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to think that he wasn't there. I like that that was sort of a ad hoc sort of, like, oh, shit. Like, and it's sort of elevated it almost. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, it is quite a... Um, it's pretty guitar-heavy. It's yes. like a... Yeah, it's like a subtle... Well, not subtle, but, yeah, just consistent, like... Reminds yeah. me of, like, Santana's pop songs, where the lead guitar's just, like, woven in there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Well, it's clever. You will come back for a Santana song as well. Is it by Escape the Fade? Ooh. No, oh, oh, I think it, it might is, be. Actually, yeah. I think I know because I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, falling in reverse does Gangster's Paradise. Ah, that's gonna be. The, I'm not looking forward to that one. I am. Jesus, that's gonna be funny. So, do we want to talk about the music video? Yeah. So, according to Wikipedia, where we get pretty much all of our information. The music video depicts the band playing in a foil covered and mirrored room, which is a homage, 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 homage to Brian Eno and Robert Fripp's No Pussy Footing album cover, mm. which was also portrayed by the Strokes in the video for their single The End Has No End two decades later. Mm. So I like how DIY this video is and that it did, even though it was like a throwback to something else. It was still a very key moment in mm. pop culture. Like it wasn't a throwback very far. No, no. Yeah. this is true. But yeah, like even though it's like for all intents and purposes, the video is quite DIY and like yeah. But like it's it is like it's not iconic in the same way as like a fucking thriller or no. But it's still you know. it's iconic. Like, yeah. yeah. Any sort of 80s costume party, you will see someone with the haircut. Yeah. Like, the spiky bits and... We'll get to the hair. But he doesn't have the haircut in this film clip. No! Which is interesting. No, no. So the, the, the hair came after it. But it's a lot of spinning around. Yes. A lot of him running away from two alien girls. Well, we yeah. assume that they're alien girls. Yeah. They're dressed space agey and they've got weird makeup. Yeah. And he's pressing himself up against the mirrors. And him getting really into the synthesizer. He expresses a lot on that synthesizer. He does. He expresses so much and so little. Yeah. <laughs> mm. At the same time. Exactly. He expresses so much, yet so little. And the last shot gets me that I only really noticed it watching it the last time, I think last night. It just lingers on him and he's just kind of like... 
Oh, God. <laughs> As he's pressing on the synthesizer. Just, yeah, the last shot lingers on him. It's great. For those of you playing at home, Sam just sort of motioned, like, leaning on I, the keys and, like... I looked... I, my head looked down, but my eyes looked up. It's very... sexy. It, it looks slightly threatening, though, but, it, yeah. Yeah, it's not a good... <laughs> it reminds me of this German horror film from around the same time called Trance, or... Okay. Der Fan, which you... Oh, oh yeah. I think you were there for that. We screened yeah. it once. Fucked this one up. Yeah, that yeah. was the one that spawned the trigger warnings, I think, because that one yes. messed me up quite Fair a enough. bit. <laughs> we, we had not seen it in advance. Pardon? We had not seen no. it in advance, which is the hard part. Um, but, like, very, like, cold. Yes. Very, yeah. very machine-like. Yeah. Very bright lights and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, because I, I think it was at, like, MTV Studio, so I imagine... Okay. I think, I imagine that it was filmed in America. I'm pretty sure it was filmed in America. Mm. Oh, yeah. In, in an interview recently, I think... You know who directed it, and he was like, "Oh, look, I can't tell you people that I met thirty years ago. I don't know." Oh my god! What if it was someone famous? Someone what a legend! That him being Mike Score, yeah. the sole member of a flock of seagulls. What a champ, honestly. Yeah. Oh goodness. So you know, it's it's an interesting film clip. It's very, yeah. We've you know we've said it. It's DIY. You know, just sort of. Gorilla style. Not could, gorilla style. Could you say that the tin foil is a nod to the alien aspect? I don't know if I'm tin, being silly. I don't know if tin foil hats were a thing back then. But yeah. I wonder where that expression came from. Like when yeah. rather. It's very American paranoia. Yeah. It seems kind of seventies, if anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, There'd be something, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What was but what was more famous, the band or the hair? The, I feel like it's like the band, and then they became known for the haircut. Yeah, yeah. that's something that's happened to like a lot of bands. I think so. Yeah. The, the, their haircut in in discussion is uh, Mike Scores. Very famous 80s hairdo, which was... They didn't even call it anything. It was just like the flock of seagulls haircut. What what could you call it? It was basically (laughs) devil horns on the side, a big kind of... It was like like a proto-emo fringe, but it was almost kind of like the devil lock that the misfits wore. Yeah. And it was also mullety in the back. It looks like Heihachi from the game Tekken, but not bald. Yeah, yeah, Heihachi's bald on top. Yeah. (laughs) Right, and the, it's very anime. Actually. The very, the very, yeah, it is the very early, early Tekken games, and it was just two cones on his head. Totally, yeah. Wonder if that was directly inspired. But yeah, that definitely maybe. looks like something. Maybe it definitely looks like something that um, would be in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, a, a hairstyle like that. Mm. Yeah, I watched a few episodes of that. So well, there you go. <laughs> did you find the answers you were seeking? I did not. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I can try harder. No, all good. In terms of, so, haircut aside, although, like, I, you mentioned, Sam, that, um, I want to, god damn it, I want to say Brian, what's his name, Mike? Mike Score. Thank you, Mike Score. Um, you mentioned that he sort of lamented the fact that the haircut somewhat overshadowed the band's legacy. You haven't Mm. already said that and I wasn't listening. Good, okay. Um... Yeah. Getting, getting my information from the series One Hit Wonderland by Todd in the Shadows on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, in terms of other pop culture moments, hair aside, Cartoon Network's cartoon regular show, which is a favourite of mine and Sam's. For some reason, Bingo. they were... <laughs> Bingo. 
they released a mini-sode online, which was essentially just this song and, like, a different kind of music video for it. It was called a sing-along sort of thing, and it draws very heavily on the visuals from the music video. It's So it's, it's the right. character of Pops goes for a run... And he just sort of runs across the world. Yeah, it sort of mimics. Uh, they they take a moment to mimic Forrest Gump. That's when, right. When I forgot Forrest that. Gump runs oh, in that yeah. god awful movie. Um, <laughs> it's a point of contention between us. We'll you, save that for another podcast. Yes, you, thank you. You thank enjoy you, Forrest Richard. Gump, and I don't. Although I want to read the books because apparently the books are just wild. We have mentioned this before, yeah. so we're going to bypass it and keep talking. But so and and the keep rest running. of the the rest of the. The cast of characters are the band. They're playing the song, and they've dressed like they're from the eighties. And Pops is running. He might run from something. I can't remember. He's just running. He's so running. Far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I regular show is a gold mine for just those cheesy eighties pop culture references. But it references a lot. It actually it does like some real. It deep references cuts. like yeah. it references some sick eighties action films. It references over the top with Sylvester Stallone, the movie where he. He does arm wrestling. By the way, you should do that for Trash Night, and I have it on DVD. Hey! It's got a sick Sammy Hagar song in it. Wow. Um, it references, I'm pretty sure it references Bloodsport at some point. Mm. Yeah. It's like they, they reference old video games. It's a treasure trove. It just sounds like a show you made. It kind of does. <laughs> right? It's very yeah. much... Yeah. But, it's, but yeah. it's also very clean. They have these. They get hung over. They have these big parties, but it's always like pizza and soda parties. Yeah. <laughs> it's the... I, I have such an affectionate yeah spot in my heart for I love regular show like yeah. it's it's the perfect like adult I think cartoon that, I think for adults adults our age gravitated towards adventure time yeah I did yeah yeah we gravitated towards regular show a bit more I, I loved adventure time for a minute and I still yeah. do but I never got fully into it the way I have regular show because yeah. it's just that sort of slacker element to it. Yeah. Mm, it's totally. sort of like Adventure Time for slackers. And yeah. as a slacker, I love it. Like, <laughs> it's... I can imagine if I were into 420 culture, like, I can imagine just... Well, there's the there's a, a beat-em-up game. Um, it's like a Cartoon Network one. So it is... It's Mordecai and Rigby, I think, Jake and Finn, Steven Universe. Oh, shit. So, like, you play as all these characters. I think Gumball. It's a Gumball. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yep. they're in it as well, and it might be something else. There might be a fifth one. Yeah. But it's, like, basically, like, this amalgamation of just, like, adult uh, cartoons that are that are loved by adults in this one video game. So, you, again, you have... You have Adventure Time and Steven Universe, which has its huge adult fan base, and then regular show. Yeah. Which I think has a little bit of a fan base, but not too... Not heavily. to the same degree. No. To me, regular show is sort of like one of the few cartoons where I don't feel weird being as into it as I am. Right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sort of cross that boundary into, you're 28, what are you doing? Like, and which it, it was very much created with that intention in mind, I'm sure. Like, it's meant to be beloved by both our age group hmm. and... Mm. Yeah the next gen, I guess. Like, it's been a bonding point for your nephews and us. Um, then, in terms of other, like, notable pop culture moments, aside from that and La La Land, which we've mentioned, Austin Powers. Vice City. Yes, yeah. Vice City. I, I do, like, since this song sort of came back into the, like, pop culture lexicon, like, the band themselves have been, like, 
bringing it back, like reviving it. Like one of my favorite things about this is that they, in 2018, released a how to play video for this song. <laughs> and so we've all seen them before. We've seen people just hobbyist or amateur guitarists or whoever being like, hey, here's how you play the song. Like, and they'll provide a basic, like you play this note and then this and this. These guys did, like, a fully annotated video yeah. of, like, tablature that you can follow along with with, like, a similar karaoke, like, bouncing dot to, like, follow along with the notes. and Fun facts. And, yeah, like, little factoids, which is so cute. Like, one of them, like, instead of a traditional guitar pick, Paul plays with an old English penny. Like, it's just delightful. And then, like, getting as specific as, like, the amount of delay on, like, the pedal that they use and all this. Like, I love it. I love that they are obviously... To me, it feels like they're in this still beyond the cash grab element. Totally. Like, it's a very... Just out of the enthusiasm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it encourages... They're encouraging other people, I guess, to do something with it. Yeah. By yeah. showing that. Yeah. Like, and then you just sort of... Again, like that EP or I guess you'd call it all the compilation of remixes and extended versions that they released. Like... It's cool seeing all of this come together in a way that doesn't sound or, like, come across as forced. Like, mm. it's purely because they are still psyched to be the people who wrote that song and who were part of this big sort of pop culture moment, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then when you look at their social media, like, I love that they are on Twitter and Instagram with an excellent handle, which is at Seagulls Running. Um, What's their location? Oh, and their location is tagged or listed as the Aurora Borealis, which is great. And, like... Localised entirely within your kitchen. (laughs) So, like, I love that they're sort of... They're standing in terms of, like, how big they are, their legacy, doesn't necessarily warrant having that social media presence but they've got it and like they've got a .org website that looks like it's still very much like active and updated and they're still gung-ho about it it's great yeah it's nice to see that they're still kicking yeah yeah Yeah. definitely reminds me of there was a compilation by oh now i'm forgetting his name um the guy from the buggles Trevor horn yeah right who produced a ton of records around that time like um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yep. He did, like, tattoos, all the things she said. Oh, shit. Later. That's amazing. Um, some Robbie Williams stuff. But yep. he released an album this year called Trevor Horn Reimagines the 80s, which is pretty cool. It's oh just, like, God. him doing orchestral rearrangements a lot of, of a lot of iconic songs yep. of that era. Wow. It's, so, like, the first song on it is Robbie Williams doing Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Oh, wow. Um, oh, it's actually really good. That's yeah, amazing. I'm not even the biggest fan of this, but, like, yeah. he sells it, so... Oh, that's awesome. That makes me think a little bit of um, Mark Ronson's version. Yeah, totally. Like, that's so good. Like, just hearing, like, a musician in their own right doing such cool reinterpretations of... Of their peers. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Oh, love it. How'd you go with your research, Richard? Um, Oh, yeah. The video was directed by a guy called Tony Vanden End, who... I think that's his most famous video, but he also did videos for, like, The Cult, for Kim Wilde. Oh, cool. Um, he did one for Moments in Love by The Art of Noise, which is kind of an iconic 80s, like, art pop yeah. song. Yeah. 
and a few others, but yeah, not a super big name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so there you are. Amazing. I feel like I have very much run the gamut of flock of seagulls adjacent knowledge. So shall we move on to the cover? Indeed. I do not know a hell of a lot about Hidden in Plain View. Um, this song was part of the Punk Goes 80s compilation that was released in 2005. Beyond that, yeah, I never really engaged with Hidden in Plain View, but I feel like they are the kind of band I would have fucked with in high school had I been aware of them. Like, how do you guys How, how often are we going to say this? Because we didn't know about Student Rick. I know, uh, but like... You, you didn't know about Strung Out. I didn't know. We both didn't know about uh, ten foot pole. It's going to be common. So yeah, I didn't know of any of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so, knew of some of them. Oh right? yeah, yeah. But I think that's the thing is when although punk goes started in like what two thousand two thousand one two thousand I believe when it with, really with took off was when we were starting to grow up and out of the scene. Like yeah. I remember Punk Goes Crunk probably being, like, the last of the comps that I was like, fuck yeah, like, all mm. time low, like, all these other, like, blah, blah, blah. And then and then it sort of just got handed off onto the next gen of yeah. Cause the scene. It's like before then, the covers that were big were, like, New Found Glory's covers yeah, and, from like, Scrania real big Stereo, yeah. Fishers covers. Yes. So yeah. it's like, I guess they kind of pioneered it and then everyone else took up that mantle, right? Yeah, definitely. So I think it is a fair point to say, had I not been so insular with my own brand <laughs> of... Had we been able to stream music it, for free. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's... Holy shit, you've just hit the nail on the head as to why... Like, of course we didn't fuck with... Pop Punk could have thrived in yeah. 2019. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what we need to do? And you've, this is something that you say a lot. Mm. We need to get my nephews into it. Oh, I Ooh. really want to get your youngest one into Green Day and just, like, get him do you on mean the, Do you mean the second oldest one? Y- your youngest nephew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> huh. not, the, not the three-year-old. Shout out. Right. Because yeah. what are they What are they into now? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. So uh, just, like, general current I stuff. think they're at that point where they haven't figured out what their actual taste is. Sure, yeah. Sort of like me before I discovered... Maroon 5 like yeah. before when I was still listening to Delta Goodrum and was like obsessed with her because she was pretty and she yeah. played good songs and stuff but then aside from that like mm, but then yeah Maroon 5 and then just sort of like Green Day and it took off like yeah it starts yeah. with adolescence exactly yeah, it, it starts with it. one thing um <laughs> and <laughs> so I think that yeah Sam's nephews and niece they're still at that point where, well, the eldest is just turned sixteen the other day. Happy oh. birthday, Zen! He would have his he would have his style already down. I think. I think so. I couldn't quite tell you what it is though. I think it's just popular music. Yeah, 
Mm. Look, it's valid. Like, yeah. I I can definitely sense the middle nephew being into this if we just sort of give him a gentle nudge in that direction, which I fully intend on doing at some point. Can you imagine? That would be delightful. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, like, if we had had streaming and it wasn't down to LimeWire and, like, questionable downloads and yeah. having to save up money or just have money to buy CDs, like... Mm. Are you telling me that both of you have downloaded music off LimeWire? Indeed. This this is the FBI. You're under arrest. Is it? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> You're the last person being done for piracy. Yeah. This bit just gets funnier every time we sign it's it. It's been a few weeks since I've done it last. <laughs> it has, actually. It's been a while. Stop, the jokes are too funny. <laughs> I'm not going back to jail. Um... But yeah, like I distinctly remember like in high school coming from rural Victoria to Melbourne for day trips and school camps and stuff and mum would give me money to go towards lunch and I'd be like, nah, and I'd like buy like a My Chemical Romance CD or something and mum would be Mm. like pissed that I'd spent my food money on music. But like, that's what it was. Like we weren't just able to like, I couldn't just listen to Spotify on the train to Melbourne like it was very contained into you had to be care- like not careful just deliberate with what you consumed also the whole idea of the punk go series is that they're kind of like samplers right yes. yeah because yeah. let's say you get 17 tracks on an album that's supposed to expose you to like seven not only 17 new bands but like 17 all the songs yes. right yeah but it's like how are you going to go down that rabbit hole because yes. how are you going to have the money to buy another 17 exactly albums at least you know because that's like so, there are so many well not so many but like a decent amount of these punk go songs there are going to be ones where i'm going to be like fuck yeah because like they were songs that i specifically downloaded or accessed because they were from bands that I already loved. Like, of course I was going to listen to that because I needed to round out my collection of yeah. everything that I've ever done. But then, yeah, like, it sort of goes beyond those, like, obvious names and the ones that I really got into as a kid. And, hmm. I guess it goes with that sort of, um, that kind of underground DIY aspect of it. But Punk it was very good at doing that because, like, yeah. these, these aren't the first compilations. Oh, God, no. They, you had oh, your yeah. Punkaramas, you had your short songs for short people. Yeah. Short songs for... Uh, short music for short people. Short music for yeah. short people. And, like, it was all under the banner of Punk, but you'd get, like, lots of ska bands, lots of hardcore bands. Mm. Um, yeah. Just doing these these compilation albums. And, yeah, like, it makes so The much... Rocky Horror Picture Show one that you... Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, big things in store for that one. Um, Next but... year, end of... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it makes, that's, I don't know why it hadn't clicked with me, but that makes perfect sense, Richard, Mm. of like, these kinds of comps, like, they are very effective in their purpose, but at the same time, like, there is that stifling element of like, up until now, you could only take them so far. Even these days, it's like, if you go on the Spotify pages for most of these bands, often the Punkos cover will be their most listened to songs. Yes. That's also true on YouTube of, like, bands who mix covers with originals. Like, they get more attention for the covers more often than not. Yeah. Case in point, Hidden in Plain View. Yes. Their number two song is this song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I... We listened to the first... We listened to the, the most played song on Spotify... 
And in my mind, it sort of was somewhere in between a Finch and Silverstein song. Yeah. And, yeah, I definitely would have loved it in high school. I was getting, like, Sayazin sort of vibes, like that sort of melodic, like... Yeah, so I never listened to... But so, and this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like just these completely different ra- frames of reference because yeah. we only could get so far down those niche yeah. paths. It's fascinating. But so yeah, I think had I given them a chance, I could have gotten into this band. And they're like, kind of still around. Like I listened yeah. to a song from two years ago that I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a brief hiatus that they went on six and a half years. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. And but yeah, still up and running, uh, and they've been a band since what two thousand? Yeah, two thousand. So yeah, so somewhat like veterans of the scene by now, yeah. I suppose. But mm. yeah, it's so weird that there's just these moments in the culture or scene that you just bypass completely. But in terms of this cover, I it's good technically. I enjoy it, but again. I don't know. Again, it just sort of contributed to that feeling of like, oh, I actually hate this song. But then I sort of turned back around and was like, I love this song. Like, yeah. I don't know. What did you guys think? Because I'm really not being that articulate about it. It's pretty faithful to the original. Um, it does have some differences. It does have some yeah. differences. Mostly the drumming. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, and I mean, the guitar is heavier. Yeah. They put distortion in it. Yeah. At some point. But they, they, use, they use the synth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, I don't know. And like we've had that discussion, you know, what makes a good cover? Is it originality or is it, you know, faithfulness? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it does a bit of both in this. Yeah, and, me, yeah, yeah, I quite like it. I mean, I think the singer has a bit of attitude. Yeah. They do yeah. change the bridge up a bit. I think they go to halftime. Yep. Yes, there. they do. Yep, and the ending's a bit different. But also, it's like we've kind of discovered that in all the covers of this song, most of them ultimately don't alter it that yeah. much actually. No. even if you change the feel or like the genre you kind of end up playing the same thing do, yeah for some reason do you think it do you do you think there's a reason for that like is it one of those things where it is such a it reminds me of like when uh singers will like pop stars will sing songs written by Sia yes where um they kind of end up inhabiting her like vocal ticks and stuff that's true and yeah. this song like vocally it's quite distinct and precise yeah and so um it's not like the song covers you but like yeah if you alter it it kind of seems like you're doing it wrong almost, yeah you know? that's mm. a really good point and i guess to me it also comes down to that idea of the overall structure being quite cyclical and like yeah because it is so contained it feels like there's not much room to extrapolate it to a point that it's different while still embodying the original. Like, it's this weird sort of midpoint. Yeah, like, if you take it too far off kilter, people will just be like, why the fuck did you do that? But then, like... So, yeah, it makes sense that everyone stayed so true to it, but then it's kind of like, but why? Like, Mm. yeah. So that stupid thing of, like, so was it worth it? Like, of course it is in terms of, like, Mm. paying tribute to a band that you enjoy and a song that you enjoy, but also... Yeah. It's not a song that's possible to rewrite. Yes. You know? Yeah. In any form. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. Sam, do you have any thoughts to add? No. I feel like I've sort of stated my case. I feel like we've all, you know, stated our cases. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely coming back around. 
like and again like I went through the same thing of love it hate it love it again and mm. yeah when I when I liked it again I did yeah. I certainly certainly appreciated it and yeah it has it has it, it deserves its place where it is yeah mm. on the 80s album I guess Maybe. yeah <laughs> Sam is sort of staring into like the middle distance as he says this. I feel like I might have broken him somehow. <laughs> I, don't I don't know with what. I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. I think, yeah. I'm like, just waiting for the end to perk up. The, why? You know why. Uh, all right. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. I th- again, like hidden in plain view, their cover. It's it's a good it's true to the original and it's good and yeah Dan- like it comes from a good place but again to me because there's not much room for them to extrapolate it yeah it just yeah it just is you know exactly yeah. yeah also judging by what we heard of their original stuff this sounds vastly different to yeah. what they actually put out I doubt they have a synth player no yeah yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a clever colour. Yep. And yeah, in that sense, I really respect that they went for it. Like, because it's very easy to just cover something as yourselves. Like, to yes. just, to do the hidden and plain view version of it that sounds like your standard issue music. Which our, our next cover will sort of cross that line. Yes. Mm. But it's I, I bring it up. I brought it up before with Faith No More's cover of Easy. Yes, yes. You know, totally. That's a band who doesn't have you know they're not like a lounge piano style band. But mm. when they cover this song, they very much embody Lionel Richie. Yeah, yes. they inhabit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. While sounding like themselves, or at least um, yeah. Mike Patton does. Yes, yeah, yeah. So Mike. Yes, absolutely. So in terms of other notable covers. I, we have some names here, so we'll drop them and discuss them. But again, you can't go too far down the rabbit hole because they all just sound yeah, the same. yeah, totally <laughs> like yeah. not in a heart, but like it is what it is. Yeah, like, I would love to see someone like completely chop and screw it. And I guess like the last cover that we'll talk about does that in terms of being a remix. So yeah, in terms of the notable covers, a couple of sort of out of our self-interest because we love them so much we just want to keep talking about them as much as we can yeah. but do we want to go with those first or do we want to go with those second to last we'll do them we'll sort of prepare like a course not course yeah go from normie to out there this is a good one okay I like it so in terms of normie I would probably go for Volume Pursuit as being yeah. the most normie one yeah couldn't get away I was saying to you at brunch 
that yes. Bowling for Soup is the most famous pop punk band that I'd never heard of. <laughs> Did you know 1985? I I listened to 1985 for the first time. I mean, I probably had heard it, but it didn't really click yeah. with me. I but I took notice of it this year. Yeah, I knew of them because I read it. I saw an article on them in a in a Kerrang or Revolver. <laughs> In like 2007, 2008. Mm. And I was like, alright, I'll check out this band. And I listened to probably 10 seconds. And it probably was 1985, but I listened to like 10 seconds of one of their songs. And just, I was just like, nah. Yeah, okay. That's not me. I'm not yeah. that anymore. They're, so they're like more power pop than pop punk, I would say. Mm. Like, they they kind of harken back to like that 70s pop, yeah. power pop style. Yeah. Um, like, to me, they sort of inhabit the same space as Good Charlotte. Now, they were sort of like a punk band, but now they're, they're very much just a sort of pop rock kind of band. See, I disagree. Okay. You obviously didn't listen to Good Charlotte that much. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't uh, listen to Good Charlotte and I didn't listen to Bowling Pursuit. I, I also got them confused with Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> I, was, I was literally just about to say one thing that always perplexes me about Bowling Pursuit is that they did a cover of Stacey's Mum by Fountains of Wayne. Are you sure that wasn't a LimeWire relabeling? <laughs> I shit you not. Because, no, I had this moment at work like a few months ago. Because that Stacey's mum, like, I'm so sad that that won't feature anywhere because it's just such a fucking good, like, I love that song. It is so good. Like, an excellent pop song. But I had this moment at work where I was sort of like, hell yeah, and, like, emailing with some of my colleagues, and we were like, hey, remember Stacey's mum? Like, send it around. Like, have a listen. And then we got down this, well, like, it's not a, it's, it's a rabbit hole, but not very deep, but, like... And there was that moment of like, hang on, so who did it, like, was it Fountains of Wayne or was it Bowling for Soup? But they've both done a version, and yeah, Stacey's mum was originally by that other fucking Fountains of Wayne. Wayne. Who, uh, then, I think they have more longevity and, like, they're quite respected within yes, pa- yeah. uh, the rock scene, like, the lead singer has... He was in a band with, like, Taylor Hansen and stuff. Oh, shit. Oh, really? Wow. Called, like, Power... No, they were called Tinted Windows. Oh, okay. They didn't get very far. Not I Power Windows, you, I think you've brought that up before. Yeah. I think you've, you've alerted... There's someone else in that group? Um, one of the guys from... The drummer from Cheap Trick. Yeah. That's also a really odd pairing. Or grouping. Yeah. yeah. It's all Power Pop, you know? Yeah. It kind of all ties together. And so, yeah, like, Stacey's mum, Fountains of Wayne, released it in 2003. Because, yeah, it was such a huge song like 2003 that's when i was going into year seven like it was massive but then only in 2011 bowling for soup did their cover so like it wasn't even a long enough Hmm. break and i guess like a lot of the punk go stuff that we talk about there are a lot of covers that are done very quickly just to keep Mm, up with the zetgeist but this one it's so close to the original and so like both in terms of time and in style that like they just kind of meld into the one band. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Like, it's like um, I found a video a little while back of um, so it's on a cruise ship, and it's <laughs> all um, good stories start this way. Yeah, but it's on a cruise ship, and it's Lance Bass and yep. Joey Fatoni of oh NSYNC covering "I Want It That Way" on karaoke. Oh no! It is mind blowing. Just the fact that it exists <gasps> is like we're in the wrong universe. Yeah, because I even just had to sort of stop and think like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's real weird. That just the trajectory of time has <laughs> just sort of gone off kilter, and like we've yeah. sort of just 
gone into like yeah there's so many things where I'm just kind of like I'm convinced we are living in a simulation yeah. like that shouldn't exist mm. <laughs> that's so upsetting <laughs> we'll have to watch it afterwards yes, Joey, Joey Fatone's living his best life He's a, he seems awesome honestly yeah. he was on The Masked Singer yeah that TV show oh yeah and he was like one of the favourites there yeah yeah he he showed up on there's the adult swim show your pretty face is going to hell oh yeah and he showed up on that and apparently they all all the cast just loved him nice yeah good on you Joey yeah we'll talk about you later yay you'll, sh- you'll show up but anyway this Bowling for Soup cover yeah of Iran I would describe it as very impatient because they cut out like half yeah, the yeah. It's, it's short right? it's short it's like two and a half minutes yeah. Do you reckon it was done in good faith, or were they just sort of like, well, I guess we should cover this one, just like, no, 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 like smash it out? Like, I don't know what they covered it for. Yeah. It's, it's in their own style, I would say. Yeah. It appears on the. Is it like a covers comp? That Os- they do? It appears on the uh, Oscar award-winning straight to DVD Van Wilder three. Oh my god. Um. I can't remember. It's parentheses, like, dorm days or something. I can't remember. Well, well, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. I can't can't remember. I had it there, but it's gone now. Oh, sorry. Uh, I obviously didn't think it was worth talking about. (laughs) It it was on that. Have you seen that film, Sam? No. I've seen seen Van Wilder 1. Should have watched it to prepare for this. Sure. I've seen Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj. Raj? Oh, yeah. Taj, because his name was Taj Mahal. Van Wilder freshman year. Is Van Wilder 3 the one with Gary Sharon? I think That's so. That's a Van Halen joke. Oh, I don't get that. Because Van Halen 3, they replaced Sammy Hagar with Gary Sharon of the Extreme. <laughs> That's one I know that he likes. <gasps> well, it's a prequel to the first Van Wilder movie. I reckon someone should release bootleg merch of just Van Halen's logo, but Van Wilder. Yeah, oh, totally. The yeah. sort of like cover, yeah, uh, uh, college sort of writing. I don't know what college writing. Or like, or the other, just like the Van Halen, like sort of. I don't know. Yeah, me- not metal, but like that rock sort of. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just talking shit now. We get ya. <laughs> but yeah, like to me, this Bowling for Soup cover, like it's fine, like it's good, but it's just again. It, yeah. It, it's two and a half minutes and you forget about it. Yeah. yeah. But it's nice yeah. when it's playing. Yeah. Exactly. But then, I guess, going slightly further away from that normie element is Nickelback, of all bands, did a cover of it live, I believe. Yeah. does just sound like Nickelback. I like it. I would it. say that, yeah, theirs is probably the most removed. Theirs, yeah. If you know what I mean. It, it's definitely, you listen to it and it's like, that's Nickelback playing. Because it's higher in key. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very much their like live arena rock, arena rock sound. And also, the guitarist, Ryan Peake, sings like either all or half of it. 
yeah. which is real, real weird because he has the exact same voice as Chad Kroger. That's so it's bizarre. It's a very like the Edge and Bono yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Raises a lot of questions, but yeah, it's solid. Have you ever watched the video of Chad Kroger talking shit on Slipknot? No. What? Oh but. My- we will in another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. They're like, the interviewer was like, so what was the first time, what was the first thing you thought of when you heard of Stone Sour? And he's like, they were just, I thought that they were Nickelback. He's actually not wrong. They do sound like Nickelback. Stone Sour. Often enough, yeah. Yeah. Solid band, but yeah. I don't know. It's all, po- all post grunge is kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Nickelback. So, yeah, for a band that is maligned for just being Nickelback, like, they do a solid effort of this. Like, yeah. Is Nickelback, like, low-key kind of a good band? Yes. They got milkshake ducked for some reason. <laughs> but, like, I don't know why. People, look, someone, someone needs to be that guy. Someone needs to be maligned and someone needs to fall on a cross. And I believe that that's Nickelback. Yeah. And Nickelback's probably, like, well, we... We play arena shows, so yeah. what does it matter? I mean, I would love to critically reclaim Nickelback because when I was 13, 14, they were one of my favourite bands. But, like, they're legit not that interesting to talk about. Yeah. No. Because what, like, the surface is kind of all there is. It's like, if you get their evolution, there's not really anything more to say. It's yeah. just very solid pop songs, some of which are obnoxious. Yeah. Some of which aren't. And they did a yeah. song about Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. They did, yeah. Side yeah. of a Bullet. Oh, Side of a Bullet. Yeah. Because it was they, something like he did a guitar solo for one of their he songs. He did a guitar solo on their cover of Saturday Night's Alright for Fight <laughs> Team. Yeah. 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 Ellen like the, year, bef- yeah, the yep. year before Dimebag died. Yeah. So. so they did a tribute song. Oh, I thought you him. meant it was going to be one like roasting him. Or something. No. No, no. no. It's, it's like they have a line about like his brother watched him do it because... Dimebag's brother Vinnie Paul was in the same band as him and yeah. the guy walked on stage and yeah, killed R- Dimebag R.I.P. indeed oh yeah. that's right yeah, yeah I forgot the narrative yeah no it's not it's not roasting Dimebag at all it's, no. it's celebrating the guy yeah but yeah I I definitely buy into the thing of like oh I'm a Nickelback is shit but like I don't know why it just became this thing and yeah like that um, How You Remind Me was huge when yeah. it broke and then they had some really good like Someday I think it's called like they had some really good singles mm. I like the pants around your feet <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes real quick better tribute song Side of a Bullet or In This River by Black Label Society In This River is great it is pretty great he, yeah. he burns a, a piano in the film clip as well yeah, yeah. yeah. I always that's to do a bit wasteful he's playing the piano and it's like in a river and then it when it rips into the guitar solo, he throws a torch onto the piano and it just erupts into flames and he rips into a guitar solo. And Zach Wilde's like the beefiest guitar player in the world. Five second uh, side note. Yes. Um, Zach Wilde, he sings exactly like a combination of Ozzy Osbourne yep. and Lane Staley. Oh, yeah. Exact child. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was, he replaced Randy Rhodes, Ozzy Osbourne's original guitarist, when Randy Rhodes died. Oh, yeah. okay. And a while after. There were like two guitarists in between. Oh, was there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he, he eventually played for Ozzy Osbourne for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is not an Ozzy Osbourne cast. No. Oh, really. man. So many. It might, it might become one. I think at some point we do we, a I sick, think we definitely do an Ozzy one. Cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I invite myself back on. Oh, okay. please, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to be slightly upset if this is like our most popular episode. It'll just be like, oh, <laughs> but also like valid. We'll yeah. see. Anyway, it probably will be. Yeah, that's fine. 
It's fine. Um, I would now like to move on to Scar Rangers. Rangers, now named Polycat, are a Thai band who did a cover of this song, which featured on the soundtrack for The Hangover Part 2, and I really enjoyed this one. I thought um, you were going to say, I really enjoyed The Hangover yeah, Part 2. <laughs> a true classic, honestly. Like, um, Get it, they're hungover again. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Written by the guy who recently wrote Chernobyl for HBO. Oh, oh really? What? Yeah, Craig Mason. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Screenwriting is a strange career. Yeah. yeah. Good god. So yeah, I like this one. It's got a fun sort of vibe to it. Like it's far enough away from the like the not stuffiness, but like the stuffiness of like the previous covers where it's just sort of like going through the motions of like like this one takes it and runs with it and makes it fun um on the scar um spectrum thank you that's that's a good way of putting it so our mates in the holophonics do a very sick cover of it couldn't get away It's very, um, I, first off, it gets me at the beginning because I love the way that he says Avenue. It's like, Avenue. <laughs> so that would be spelt E-H-V-E-N-E-O-O, yes. Avenue. Amazing. I love the way that he pronounces it, but it's, it's very much from, from memory. It's been a day that I've, since I've listened to it. It's more on the reggae and sort of like Latin almost yeah. music side than the punk side with this one because it's like the, the guitars are sort of toned down a bit. They've got a bit of distortion when it, like when the chorus kicks in. They don't speed the song up. No. No. Yeah, which is what you'd expect from most clubs. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, if it was less than Jake doing it, then they'd be doing it pretty quick. Or Goldfinger or someone like that. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I fully support a Scar revival. It would be so good. Like... I did like your analogy, Richard, of Scar being like... Oh, yeah, I'll explain this. So, uh, (laughs) I have a theory that Scar is like pineapple on pizza. It's okay from time to time, but if it's your entire identity, to me that's weird. Yeah. If you can't eat pizza without pineapple, 
you know, check yourself. Yep. I'm not saying it's cultural appropriation, but <laughs> the Italians might look down on you for that, so... And by check yourself, he means dress head to toe in checks, <laughs> in checkerboard. Yeah, co- commit yourself to the aesthetic yeah, completely. absolutely. Yeah. And the holophonics, if you're listening, you've got an invite to our wedding. Not to play, just to come. Yeah, look. Cool. We're just opening up that I, guest list. I do know a Melbourne ska band who are, like, really good. They're <sighs> called it? The Resignators. You know? I've heard that name before. Yeah, I went to uni briefly with the singer. Oh, sick. But they're like n- kind of 90s ska, but also like the singer's really good. They have a lot of presence and they like get the punk rock side too. Nice. So then like not just the gimmick, I'd say. Well, we could have this ska wedding. Excellent. You legit could. Like you could either. That would be... <laughs> I don't but... think I can live with myself. <laughs> Look, I think it's something we would... The day after, go. That was sick. But ten years later, <laughs> we probably yeah. go. So we're looking through our album of photos of me with flames running up my dress. And <laughs> yeah, you and your pork pie hat. Mine by pork pie hat and my flame shirt and, and your checkered vans. And no, Guy Fieri would be so happy, <sighs> but no, I, I'll, right. I'll please him in in my diet. Sure. <laughs> okay. sure. Get that. Get that donkey sauce. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, I was gonna say please him in other ways, but then I was like, that uh, sounds sexual. Make it that what you will. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. So you know, holophonics always sick. So further away from the pedestrian side of things, we have our other friend Buff Carell. It happened. It happened so much sooner than I was expecting. I know. <laughs> the holophonics and Buff Corral in one episode. It's they're just yeah, the super group. Like We we have extrapolated upon Buff Corral, we've we've spoken in depth, but now let's take it to Richard. What, what was your impression of yeah, uh, I, Buff the Stuff? I watched a couple of videos of his. Yeah. I um, watched his most viewed one, which I think was Beyonce's Drunken Love. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like early yes. on he was maybe trying a bit harder to be sincere. Right. right? Or maybe, although maybe his eyebrows were like bigger then, so I'm not actually sure. Yeah. I think he definitely talks a bit more now before the song. He makes some jokes. Totally. Yeah. Well. He's become like, if not totally self-aware, then... Somewhat, like he kind of knows what his audience is there for. But like, yeah. you look at the comments, and there's no one. And I love it. I love how. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I love how positive it is. There's no one. I've said it before. He's obviously self-taught, but there's yeah. no one that's like that, that rips on him. Everyone's really supportive towards. Agree. It's not ironic. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. I, I I love how I love how positive the whole vibe is with this guy. Yeah. I will say that his rendition of this song is. He's not kind of trying to stay on key, but unlike some of his earlier stuff, mm. but his enthusiasm is infectious. And yes. the, and the yeah. dancing. Oh. Yeah. Well, when, oh, I, yeah. when I discovered him... Um, he would be a legit great frontman. Yeah. yeah. i say that. Yeah. 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 Uh, when, I, when I first saw him, and I think I mentioned it, like, I just watched him for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I just kept going and watching other... Because he, he produces... 
so much content. Yeah. Like, it's, it's basically every day there's yeah. a new video of his art. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of nuts. And so it's just like, yeah, he's got thousands, like over a thousand videos. He's got stamina. I do yeah. not know how he does it. Yeah, he might do a few a day. I don't know, but... Yeah. I can only dream of cutting shapes as well as he does. Oh, so good. Such a good dancer. Yeah. God. Yeah. So we have two more to look at. So the penultimate one is a cover by... No other than Darude featuring Blake Lewis. This one I quite liked. Yeah. Actually. Um, there's like two versions. There's like the radio edit, which is yeah. cut down, and like a seven minute full trance version that I think is really cool. Yeah. Like he kind of gets the spirit of the song, but manages to turn it into that kind of big build up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So. That's the only other song besides Sandstorm that I've listened to as well, Darude's. Same. I, uh, oh, oh my God. I just remembered. I saw him live in like 20. 14 or 15. What? Because my friend was doing lights for his show at track. And so I came back from something and I got in and I saw the last five minutes of his set, which was Sandstorm. Yes. So, so you've, you've, yeah, you've seen what you needed to. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. He wasn't, was he in Eurovision this year? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I believe but, he was. And it was I that thing it. where like, because you have to write a new song for us. So I was just kind of like, well, if you're not doing Sandstorm, I'm like, what's this all for? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. But, I, yeah, I enjoyed this. I yeah. am not huge on trance music. Like, I just never got into the genre. Yeah, like, ne- neither in general. Yeah, yeah, but it's, there's definitely an appeal there. Like, I can see why it is as big as it is. Yeah. But I, it's one of those things, like, there's just so many different artists and... Yeah, I just, I do not have my finger on the pulse at all. Like, I couldn't tell you anything except Sandstorm is great. But, so yeah, this is a really cool sort of interpretation of the song. Like, Mm, there's just too much music out there, man. There really is. I know. Yeah. It's nuts. Who would have thought? Yeah, absolutely. But the final cover is the one that I'm the most excited about. So, not so much a cover as a remix. So, I am going to pause here and play a sample of it. I got my sights set on you and I'm ready to wait. I have a heart that will never be tamed. I knew you were something special when you spoke my name. Now I can't Something is right 
So, Richard, seeing as you're the one who is responsible <laughs> for this song, I would like you to just give us a bit of a background on it. So, in my DJ slash mashup artist guise as DJ Contempt, yes. which means I'm both a contemptuous person who is a DJ and a DJ who is contemptuous of other DJs. Because <laughs> most DJs are bad. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm in a mashup of... I ran using the instrumental yes. with the vocals of See You Again by Miley Cyrus, which oh. I've titled A Flock of Cyrus. And I think, <laughs> I think it works quite well. It's, like, it's amazing. They fit together. Yeah. Um, it was actually quite hard to do because, as I said, like the drummer was not keeping time very well. Yes. So I had to like keep nudging the tempo around to get Miley's vocals to fit. Oh, yeah. my God. Hmm. I... You are a bit of a living legend in terms of people who haven't met you who know me. Like, the amount of times I have, like, shown someone, like, oh, yo, like, this thing that Richard remixed, or, like, my friend Richard did this thing, and everyone's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yep. I have musical terrorist. I have yes. to come in again with something that may seem like an attack, but if we get, if we get Cassie on this, our old <laughs> roommate, I'll do it. Yeah. there was a time... When I don't know if you were doing all the Smash Mouth <laughs> mashups. It was a combination. Yeah. I've heard about this, yes. <laughs> and you were so enthusiastic about all of these Smash Mouth like mashups and whatever that Richard was sending you and I love there was mashup. there was a time when Cassie and I were just sort of like we'd look at each other when a new one would come <laughs> and we'd just be like There's Smash Mouth again. It was like it was a solid week when we were hearing Smash Mouth. I, I was legit in 2015 going to do Smash 365. Oh. And I didn't because I formed my own artistic project. Yes. And I was spending time on that instead. But it could have happened. Oh my it could God. still happen. It wouldn't be that hard. So what's Smash 365? I'm scared. What, what do you think? Exactly Sam? what it sounds it's, like. It's a, a new Smash Mouth song each day. A new Smash Up. A new Smash Up. There we go. Yeah. Yes. I also have another project that will stay unnamed because one day I might still do it okay. and hopefully not have it attributed to me. You'll have to tell us about it. Oh, online. you know what it is. Oh, okay, yeah. good. But yeah, I thorough like I'm not even again like my musical taste has just gone so far into the abyss. Like I genuinely love this. Like. And I have shown people this and just been the, like... The, the Miley one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's amazing. Cyrus and yeah. just been like, yo, this is amazing. And, yeah, like, same goes for, like, the smash-ups and just... Oh, my God. It's so I good. can appreciate the smash-ups now, but when it was every day. <laughs> There's just... I don't... I think it spawned from Neil Cicerega. yeah. Like, his smash-mouth stuff, which we have mentioned in a prior episode, which you are yet to hear, Richard. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's just something about it. It's the perfect music to listen to when I'm stressed because there's enough going on yes. that it just sort of forms white noise almost and I just go into this flow state and I love it. And there's just something about mashing up songs that they make sense going together in terms of like tempo, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they're just so like poles apart in terms of what they are. Yeah. Yeah. It ultimately becomes like relaxing. I like for me, his stuff is almost like progressive rock, where structurally it's just bizarre and all yeah, the place. You know, yeah. it's like prog pop because you never know what you're going to get next. Yes, yeah. even if you've listened to it before. Exactly. Quite yeah. like a box of chocolates. Yes. Yes. But, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, huh. You keep bringing it up. I know. <laughs> 
I think my favorite one of yours was the uh, mashup of Rainbow in the Dark and Smooth. Smooth by Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Rainbow in the Dark. Bless you. Rainbow in the Dark being Rainbow in the Dark by Ronnie James Dio. Eleven Dio. Yeah. Uh, Love it. Mm. But yes, um, I cannot thank you enough, Richard, for bringing this into the Punk Goes Pod. Bleh, Punk Goes Pod universe. Yay. And yeah, what better way to round off talking about a song as delightful as I ran parentheses so far away? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you personally know Tony Hawk? And if you do, can you get him on the podcast? <laughs> no. Damn it. Uh... <laughs> so that's that's my that's my project. Yes. Yeah. And Tom DeLong. I want Tony Hawk more than Tom DeLong. Yes. Sorry, Tom, but I want Tony. That's fair. I feel like the, the soundtracks to the Tony Hawk games were <laughs> much more much more influential to me than I than I guess Blink. Yes. Well, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. So before we wrap up, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the pod and bearing with us with our total garbage <laughs> setup and thank you for having me thank you for starting the podcast of course full disclosure we have gifted richard some pizza for dinner and that's about it so you were yeah. truly doing it and your company oh i feel like listening to the podcast is just like hanging out with you guys oh anyway, so, you know. that's so nice to hear because that's genuinely how i feel about my favorite podcasts like but yeah. it's weird because i don't know them so yeah, if it were true. two people i actually knew doing a pod it would just make it that even like next level of like better but so that is genuinely lovely but But then it's it's you know when we listen to it ourselves it's like oh i like these guys oh it's embarrassing how much i listen to our own because i like of course you do your listen through every week for like just to check for any flubs that we need to get rid of or anything but i love it (laughs) totally that's the best part it's like when um, like I do interviews occasionally for yes. like artists and stuff, and it's the point when you realize you don't hate the sound of your own voice. Yes. Yeah, you've, like it's so succeeded. freeing. Yeah, you have gained power that nobody can take away from you. Yes, yeah. yes. Ah, oh, this is a self love podcast. It now, is. I think, I yeah. think yeah. an exercise for everyone this week is record yourself talking about something you enjoy for just read or just read a book yeah. out loud on you know and record it if you can five minutes or so and then just listen back and accept that that is your voice and it is perfect just the way it is and it will keep the loneliness at bay (laughs) (laughs) i will admit i have honestly been considering recording myself just saying over and over you will get your peas you will get your full license you will you just as a mantra to just be like i will fucking get my life but anyway that's so anyway you will then you can drive and record this podcast at my place Yes. yes amazing yeah. richard do you have anything you would like to plug or any well i don't know if the debut single by the pop duo l will be out by the time this podcast comes out we'll be sure Maybe. to promote it on our channels when it's out absolutely yeah but you I'm... can you can follow me on twitter at richard r-i-c-h-a-o-d mm-hmm. various other places i'm around my writing is around this week I've been uh, swarmed by stands because I ranked every Lana Del Rey song for Billboard. And um, because stands, A, refuse to read. It's not that they can't read. <laughs> they choose not to read, yes. which is bad. And they and, get angry at it, even yeah. though they haven't read it. And B, 
they don't understand how numbers how numbers work. Yeah. Because yeah. they want everything to either be first or last. <laughs> so every time I do one of these lists, I'm like, there the amount of possible combinations of eighty nine items is like as many stars as there are in the universe or something. So the chances of me even make even making myself happy with a ranking are like Next to zero. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sorry I didn't personally consult you <laughs> and about your <laughs> ranking. And do you know what their what that their worst band is or their most hated band is? From first to last. Hey. Oh Skrillex. Yeah. I don't think he's from first to last again, isn't he? I think no, he rejoined briefly and he's now Skrillex again. Oh, is he? I think he's just he's whatever more. Yeah, I think he, he's whatever he wants to be. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, so next week is Britney Spears, as covered by Reach the Sky, and the song is Sometimes. So, pretty gutted that we can't just have Richard on every single week, so I feel like oh, I there would, be, would be so great. much. Yeah. If ever you're bored, just pop on over on a weekend. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I've got your schedule up until, yeah. like, 2024, right? Oh, we, we are set. <laughs> we are not. Yeah. I yeah. see you've already penciled me in for a few. We have. So... Yeah. So yeah, we haven't even asked you. I know, yeah. we just assumed. I just like, scrolled down, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, <laughs> who's Buff Coral? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he on every, like, third episode? He's he is the best. Well, he's got over a thousand covers, so uh, yeah, yeah. he's going to show up a lot. I think it's going to have to get to the point where we won't play any, we'll just be like, oh, and Buff Corral did one. Check him out. Yeah, yeah. but... So good. Yeah. But anyway, Richard, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you for being the first guest yeah. as well. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm. That's um, a distinction. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, this will probably boost our profile way more than we've been able to get with our own efforts. So Maybe. thank you. <laughs> mm. But all right. Until next time, we don't have an appropriate sign off. So. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, actually.